Goodbye. God bless everyone. Temperature is 79. Partly cloudy. Monitor point of information. Queen Victoria was so sure of herself that she never looked behind when she sat down. on the NBC Times. I'm sorry about that. What's up, Hello, thank you for the station. Thank you for all the listeners. Thank you for us uh, doing you well. We are just in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'm going to go get Patricia back. Here we go. Radio stations have birthdays like everybody else. And today we are celebrating ours, the 40th anniversary of broadcasting, entertainment, news, sports, and information to the people of the Pacific Coast from San Francisco. It was in 1922 that KNBC, then known as KPO, began program service. Many famous entertainers and many historic events were beamed out over the airways during our 40 years of broadcasting. In 1951, when the NBC radio network was celebrating its 25th anniversary, the then-popular comedy team of Fibber, McGee, and Molly did a special broadcast that eavesdropped on some of the great shows of radio. Since then, Molly Jordan has passed on, and Fibber is living in retirement in Encino, California. Twelve years have slipped by since Fibber, McGee, and Molly's 25th anniversary salute to NBC, and that broadcast is in itself a collector's item. Tonight is one of the highlights of KNBC's 40th anniversary celebration, we will revive that famous broadcast of Fibber, McGee, and Molly, during which you will hear the voices of Joe Penner, Fred Allen, Ben Burney, W.C. Fields, Edgar Bergen, and Charlie McCarthy, and many, many other favorites from out of the past, starring Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Our Silver Jubilee, the 25th birthday of the National Broadcasting Company. Like any birthday, the birthday of NBC is a time for reflection and recollection. Were you listening to Ed Wynn at 9.30 on a Tuesday night in 1932? At 7 o'clock on a Wednesday evening in 1929, were you listening to Amos and Andy? Or were you listening to Rudy Valley's Great Variety Show at 8 o'clock on a Thursday evening in 1934? Ah, these were great moments in the history of NBC, and ordinarily it would be impossible to relive them. But we are fortunate in having had with us for the past 20 years... Mm, we're going to turn down... Our little favorite intro for Patricia. Hello. 
Patricia. I am here, Walden. How are you? Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. We've What's been a left good day. Anyway, I'm into Sunday already. I know, but <laughs> but that that Patricia plays 24 hours a day. Definitely, she's had to sleep, work, and eat. I would have done very well on monitor, wouldn't I? Ah, uh, you would have. I think so, at least for the first two weeks. You know, I think you would have enjoyed being one part of the writing staff. I think in in that particular era, mm -hmm. with that kind of schedule and atmosphere, I would have thrived. Yeah. I would have thrived. I mean, the, the, the age, we talk about the golden age of radio, and it was a package, a gift that was just so special in and of itself. Then we moved to another era of radio, and this particular show, I'm astounded. I just, I'm so ashamed of myself that I didn't know anything about it before I read Dennis's book. But it was an era unto itself, covering so many, um, so many significant points in our country's evolution. Um, I would have done well. Oh, I would have liked it. Yeah. Yeah. When, yeah. when you get your station up, when you and Dennis put the station together and you can reproduce or replicate monitor, could I work with you? Oh, Patricia. Every little project I ever will have, you'll be part of. Oh, uh, boy. I just want to make sure we get paid. This is good. Oh. I just want to make sure she gets paid for her efforts. I'm <laughs> Either that or just feed me. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, I can send you the care package that you hear in old-time radio. Care package? Yeah. Oh, you mean like for, during World War II? Yeah, well, after the World War II, yeah. Where yeah. they would put together, you know, like um, books uh -huh. and tape, food and little goodies like that? And food, yeah. Oh, food boxes, too? Yeah. Are, would it be too arrogant of me to ask if I could make requests <laughs> for my care package? I could do that, huh? you get away with murder. Okay, could I please have some lettuce in my bag? Yeah, yeah. Well, if we, if we plant the the, the, um, the Patricia Victory Garden out in front, we'll have to buy more land. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll have to buy more containers, I guess. My I radishes guess. are doing beautifully. Hey. You said radishes. Did I tell you? Tell me. I planted radishes. That's all I have to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I got these plastic containers. Oh, you know, hi, everybody. We don't need to talk about my garden until later. But it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of fun. Yeah. But um, I'll say hi to everybody, okay? Say hi. Wait to the people. Oh. <laughs> Can you see me over here? <laughs> I'm over here. Right here. It is Saturday for a lot of people. It's Sunday for a lot of other people. What time zone? Uh, yeah, depending on, you know, you know, depending on what time zone. It's, well, Patricia, I'm Patricia. in the eastern time zone, Patricia. and it is 1.36 in the morning. Oh, yeah, it's perfect for Patricia. Which is perfect for Patricia, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I get to, ooh, I'll tell you later. We've <laughs> <laughs> got all sorts of things happening around here. Uh, 714 no, 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 that's my cell phone. 714 Five four five two zero seven one. You want to call and talk to Patricia? Those of you who are calling during the first half of the interview, you can call now for Patricia trivia. Uh, hey, some new listeners wanting to know when Patricia going to have her trivia. Oh, is that true? Yeah. We had new listeners. We have new listeners who are calling. Oh, somebody like, who hasn't called before yes. and can put a new dot on yes. the app. 
Yep. No kidding. Yeah. No, I. What you? Are you basically good thing the two of us? Uh-huh. If you could handle the on-air stuff and I could handle the stuff on the off-air, it would be busy. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, that means. Well, let me go through our list. All right. First, everybody's envelopes are in the mail except for Gerald's because he sent me on this mission. <laughs> My goodness, he asked last week, he answered a trivia question correctly, and I got to talk with him for the first time, so he made a dot on my map for me, and um, he asked me for the armchair traveler and night editor. I had not heard of either one of them. Apparently, nobody else heard of the Armchair Traveler either because I can't even find it on a Google search. I can't find it on Jerry's website. I can't find it anywhere. So he thought, after I followed up with him, he thought it might have been a local show. However, I am so proud of myself. I found 14 episodes of Night Editor. Am I impressed with myself or what? I'm impressed with Patricia. Boy, oh boy. I don't know what's in them, though. I haven't listened to them yet, but I will bundle them up and send them to Gerald, who goes by the name Jer. And if he lets me know what else he likes, I'll fill up the CD, because 14 episodes of the show does not take up very much space, so we've got lots there to fill up. So, we are here on Saturday, and every Saturday we have trivia questions, we have a topic for the night, I, I'm liking this. But I started that, what, about four or five weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit longer. And it's, it's a fun thing because everybody has experiences and information to share. We have Fibber McGee and Molly shows, and we have extra trivia questions in there because during the first show, I asked people to listen very hard, and I have three questions to ask at the end of the show based on the show. So you have to listen hard to that show. And as of a few weeks ago, I am supposed to be finding a question for Walden to try to stump him. Hello. Hello. One out of a thousand, I might make it. So I thought it would be only fair if I repeated a question that I tossed at him this week because he knew the answer right away, and said, I, I don't want to cheat and go squirreling around looking for another question, because he <laughs> did answer this one. So, first, I have something really important to say. We're going to have a very disjointed night tonight. I'm all over the place here. That's okay. Which is fine, because I can, you know, put things in little boxes and little segments. That's right. If anybody missed last week's show or couldn't get through, it was Walden's birthday. And I know there are at least a couple of people out there who tried to call and couldn't get through and might have even gone to bed by now because it is very late, um, who wanted to wish you a happy birthday and weren't able to do that. But what these folks don't know is that you celebrate your birthday for at least two weeks. Well, you know what, Patricia? You Uh, want me to tell you what I did on my birthday today? What? (laughs) (laughs) Yes? Um, I get the services you can sign up online. To let them know your birthday. Uh-huh. And you get the coupons of goodies. Oh. So we got one that expired today, June 12th. Uh-huh. Go get a free hamburger at one of the very best uh, hamburger chains in, the, in our area called the Red Robin. So that's what we win tonight. 
we got I went and got a nice free deluxe hamburger, and they came and got me a chocolate sundae. You got a birthday burger? I got a birthday burger and a, and a chocolate sundae on the house. I, wow. I think that is a pretty good thing. Yeah. Um, how many birthdays can you register? Uh, well, as many they can let you get away with. I don't know. Probably get names, the one. How many names can you have? Let's see. What, what I mean, was the like, song? What was the uh, John Pepper Smith? What was the what was the famous uh, folk song? John Hipper Hyper Smith. I I'm screwing this one up. I, oh, I don't. John. Oh my goodness! Somebody's going to yeah. end with this. Guggenheimer. <laughs> 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 I remember. Yeah. John. Something Smith. But like two or three things in the middle between John and Smith. Somebody's going to call in and rescue me because as soon as I hear a name that doesn't belong in there, it doesn't get out of my head. It's there forever. Or I, I look at Lana Turner's real name. She must have four male names. There must have been people that the, they must have, when they had a newborn little thing in the house, uh-huh. must have thrown 18 million middle names. Mary Jo, Jennifer Fernandez, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know why? Why? Because they had to satisfy every elderly aunt or uncle in the family. Yeah. They, we named our baby after you. You know, and I know that was true. A piece in the family. You know, that's true because my grandmother, this is my dad's mom. Uh-huh. Uh, the second child. Uh-huh. My dad was the third. There were four in the family. The uncle said, I will, I will... Your family in the will, you know, if, I'm saying, if you name your second child after me. Well, they didn't. Uh, they didn't do it. They didn't do it. They didn't believe in that. But so for some people, that was really a big deal. Uh-huh. It was a huge deal. Yeah. I think I mentioned to you that I grew up with the name Smith. Right. I know that. So it's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wound up with a middle name of Smith anywhere, yeah. but um, it, it was. It was not in my family that I know of. It was not important, although my middle name is in honor of an elderly aunt whom I just adored. So uh, I don't like the name, but I loved her. So, so you're well to live with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can deal with that. I don't have to tell everybody. Actually, my, my, I'm, my name's a... Uh, Offsprings of different families. Um, Walden, everybody. Um, I was named after my great uncle, Walden Filber, uh, and Katie Lou. Katie Lou and Filber didn't have any children, so they adopted my mom and my brother, the brother that lives in Tampa, Patricia. Mm-hmm. And everybody loved him, so I was named after him. And for him, he was named after, it was his grandmother's maiden name. So that's how come I got Walden. My middle name is Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, and my dad's step-grandfather, this is when his, step, his step-grandfather his married his grandmother when they were in their 80s. And he just adored, he, his real name was Sherman. Uh-huh. And my dad was thinking about naming me Sherman, but he decided to name me Stuart, but still keep the, the first initial S. So I guess it was a big deal for people to name their offspring after very important people in their life if they wanted to. 
very big deal. Yeah. I'm going to have to change phones in a minute, but okay. I bet I have time to give somebody a question. Um, yeah? Uh-huh. Well, you want me to just talk and you choice now? Say that again? You want me to just talk and you want to just talk? No, I want to give people oh, okay. a, a trivia question to ponder and then call while I'm switching phones. Okay. All right. Okay. Are we ready? Everything, tonight's uh, theme is Sunday comics, Sunday funny pages, mm-hmm. the Sunday funny sheets, whatever you call them. But all of my questions are based on anything that appeared in the Sunday column or the Sunday comics. So I've got a bunch, I've got three pages of questions. So if you don't like one, I can go through another one. So I'm going to start out with one relatively easy one, one medium one, and then one hard one, okay? Uh-huh. And actually, I think they're all hard. Gee willikers. Oh, no, here's, here's a, uh, an easy one. What was the name of Popeye's girlfriend? That's number one. Number two, I will ask which comic strip featured Daisy May, Mammy Yoakum, and Fearless Fosdick. That's a good one, That's huh? That's a good one. I, I think I know that one, okay. Uh, you probably do. And let's see. Um, ah, this one's, uh, I, I like this one a lot. Some is a comic strip's character. Where is his home base? You you are on the phone with Patricia. Hi. Hello, Lucille. Hello. How are you feeling, Lucille? I'm feeling a lot better, thank you. Good. Robin, I just wanted to say very belated happy birthday for the second week. Hey, I'll take it. Celebrate <laughs> <laughs> his birthday for two weeks. I wasn't kidding. I know. A week and before and the whole week after. There you go. And the song was John Jacob Fingelheimer Schmidt. That's right. That's the one. That's the one. Thank you. Oh, I feel better now. <laughs> and Popeye's girlfriend's name was Olive Oil. Perfect. Can we stop there and, and let the folks, uh, let the um, the rest of the questions, because if I run out of questions tonight, I'm doomed. <laughs> oh, you've got it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Lucio. <laughs> Hey, after everyone calling last week, my goodness, I tried to get in something fierce and couldn't get in for the love of me. So We had a bunch of callers last week, and I'm so happy because everybody wished Walden a happy birthday. But that means we can also have happy birthday calls tonight, too. Absolutely. So I'm really pleased that you had so many calls, and I don't want to take up much more of your time. Hold on. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There was a famous song called My Time is Your Time. Well, there's other people out there that I'm sure were <laughs> dating. To but wait, but wait, I have something to tell you. I got a whole bunch. I went out and I'm looking for you. I found a whole bunch of spooky stuff this week. Cool. No kidding. I, well, Dark Fantasy you probably know about, but I didn't have any. I do now. Um, the Haunting Hour, I don't think I had that one before, and let's see, um, suspense I've got, I've got the clock, don't know what that one is, but anyway, I found a whole bunch of them, so, is there anything you'd like? Um, what was that, Haunting Hour? Uh, I've got, yes, this one, let's see, 
the haunting hour. And, ooh, I've got quite a few. Didn't realize I had that many. I say quite a few. I've got at least 20, maybe 25. Fantastic. Uh, I just wanted to tell you, Walden, a couple weeks ago I told you to look for something in the mail. Uh-huh. And I have to apologize. My husband failed to put it in hey, the mail. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. It is going in the mail on Monday morning. Wow. We'll be receiving it. Oh, I appreciate but that. yours only went in the mail today, so maybe Bye. that cancels it out. Hey, Bye. you know, you know, I... I it, no, I did send you something, didn't I? Yes, I received it already. All right. Well, I feel better now. Okay. <laughs> so listen, guys, have a super night. I am going to get a drink because I'm thirsty, and I'm going to go back upstairs into my bed, crawl in, pull the covers over, and just enjoy the rest of the evening Terrific. with you guys. I love you both. Same here, Lucille. Bye. Lucille. Have a good evening. You too. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, sure do. Sure, sure. Uh, okay, so now we're down to two, and I'll even throw in an extra one here. Which comic strip featured Daisy May, Mammy Yoakum, and Fearless Fosdick? Where was the Phantom's home base? And I believe the Phantom is still being run. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. And let's see, what was Dennis the Menace's next door neighbor's name? Oh, that's Actually, a good that's one. Actually, that's a current one as well, that's I believe. A, that's a good one. So you talk for a minute and let me phones here, okay? Oh, you, okay. We are having Patricia switch phones on us, and we're going to say, Hello, Carl. You are on the air with Patricia. Well, I really enjoyed the stuff that you had about Monitor, and I think that would work. You do? Well, there's a lot of out-of-work journalists out there. I'm one of them. Yeah. Uh, Who am I talking with? Well, my name is Richard, Richard Stewart, and um, I was a newspaper journalist until last year. Oh, my. And, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Well, what, what, what are you calling from, Richard? Trouble. But, of course, I was, fortunately, I was set up so that I could just retire. Yeah. But there's a lot of folks out there that are scrambling for any sort of thing like this, and and quite a few broadcast people too. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the TV and radio stations have uh, shortened their staffs too. And also on the technical end of it, it seems like it would be easier to distribute uh, via satellite or internet. And you really wouldn't need an established network. It could work like uh, these shows that are syndicated. I think it would. Um, the night that the, as you know, Richard, the only downside is uh, affiliates, so so-called affiliates today, don't have to kill yet. You know, that's the problem. Yeah. You know. Um, Nobody well, dictates. Now, Richard, what, what state are you out of? What 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 paper did you use to work for? Well, I worked for the Houston Chronicle, mm-hmm. but uh, I had been engaged for some time with a, uh, a young lady that lived in Richardson, uh, Texas, uh-huh. just a little ways from where old Bill Bragg hangs out. Oh, yeah. Out. Oh, yeah. And uh, so rather than her move down to where I was, we got married and I moved up to where she is. Mm-hmm. And uh, and 
then I got a uh, one of these uh, CC Crane uh, Wi-Fi radios and found Radio USA. Wow. And when did you find us? Um, ago. Just a few months ago. Oh, you're brand new for us. Yay. really blew my mind to find out that this thing was headquartered, you know, out of some guy's house. <laughs> put over. Well, heck, you know, you can go and see the place. Oh, before it comes out of my little radio here. I don't know, you know. <laughs> Moon, Venus, I don't know where all, you know. Oh, gosh, you have a call bell and drop in. I think Bill would love to give you the master tour of the whole place. Oh, yeah, I love, uh... I love uh, radio stations, old-time radio stations. Yeah. My favorite radio station is a little station in Jasper, Texas, that this guy literally built with his own hands, rebuilt all of the equipment, put it in his one-car garage. <laughs> and then he started doing news, and um, they had a terrible... Uh, crime that happened up there hmm. that ended up getting international crime coverage and the Ku Klux Klan and Black Panthers coming to town and oh, all wow. sorts of stuff like that. And uh, this fellow ended up being uh, uh, named Broadcaster of the Year by the Texas Broadcasters Association. How neat. Wow. And eventually, it drove him out of his house. It eventually took over the entire house, and he had to <laughs> buy another house across the street. Oh, <laughs> It's like tomato vines. They I just keep that. growing. Richard, where are you right now? I'm in Richardson, Texas. Oh, you are in Richardson. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm the next. Sorry, I misunderstood. Over from... You moved from that area. Yeah. Well, now, how long were you in the new paper business in Houston? Uh, I worked for the Chronicle for 28 years, but very little of it did I do right in Houston. Mm. Most of it, I was based in East Texas, and I roamed over a huge area. And uh, and then I, uh, for a few years, I covered a county south of Houston, Brazoria County, Texas. But I also did some some reporting out of out of Houston. Did, how long did you see the newspaper industry in trouble? I mean, you know, she might the last ten to fifteen years. You think that's pretty true, or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a time, and it wasn't all that long ago where we had tremendous travel budgets. I mean, I was sent to Rockwell, New uh, Roswell, New Mexico, to cover the. 50th anniversary of their incident over there. They yeah. had a big, big hoopla over it. Right. Uh, I was sent to Mexico to uh, uh, look for uh, killer bees. I was, I was sent. Uh, I spent a week down around Laredo covering a fella setting the um, world altitude record for hot air balloons. Oh, my. And things like that. I went to Buffalo, New York, to talk to a fella who, as a boy scout, went to Antarctica with a, an amazing Antarctic expedition that almost nobody's heard of because it was done so much on the cheap. And, and uh, ended up 
he was on a uh, three-month-long dog sled journey that mapped the last unknown coastline in the world, this sort of stuff. So I got to do a lot of things that I thought was great fun and a lot of stuff that I thought was very boring. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that part. Hated police news. No kidding. Yeah. What turned what what was not appealing to you about it? Oh, uh, trying to ferret out information from police who thought Un- understood. If they said anything at all it would uh make them look stupid. Which is you know, most of the policemen I dealt with were, you know, quite good at doing what they were supposed to do. It's not I, I think they they suffer a little bit because uh, their lives are not like television. You know, they, they, they don't have people that can look at a car and say, there's a piece of hair that belongs to a person who's six. Right. <laughs> no Miami CSI. I understand that. No. Now, which, which area did you like the most? What I really love to do is is uh, little people stories, and uh, I uh, that that's what I really like. And I don't know some of these little offbeat things. I did a story about uh, a, a plant called poke salad. You may have remember the song poke salad, Annie. Well, poke salad is a a green that grows wild. And the reason it only grows wild is that its seeds need to be, how do I put this, processed through a bird's digestive system. Mm -hmm. And and there was one place in Arkansas that canned these things. And there was it's it's sort of like spinach. And except I like spinach, and I don't like book selling. But they, uh, there was a little town in Texas that had a book salad festival every year, and they had book salad eating contests. Oh and I found the guy that won it every year. <laughs> it sucked out about five cans of that stuff in a good two minutes. It was unbelievable. Oh, my God. And, uh, you know, things like that I really enjoyed. We had great fun with a story about Squeaky the Cow Pig. <laughs> Olin Ryan, the great pitcher and now president of the uh, Texas Ranger baseball team, has several ranches around Texas. And uh, on one of them, the manager found a feral hog that had been shot and killed, and she had some young, and when he found her, only one was alive, and he took that pig and raised her, and she has become convinced that she's a cow dog. A cow dog? Yes. <laughs> she herds? She herds cattle. Oh, that's funny. She, uh, she's an excellent watchdog. She watches the place, and and, uh, if she doesn't, uh, if you don't meet her standards, uh, 
you don't get out of the pickup truck because now she weighs about 400 pounds. You know? <laughs> they get very large. And she is not really tame. <laughs> and uh, she she accepted us okay, but she hated my photographer's tripod. And any time he picked out, broke out the tripod, she would go knock it down. He had to come back another day to get all the pictures. And he put together a wonderful video that is all over YouTube, I guess it was, Weeky the Pig. And um, that video was seen by more people than any other video the Chronicle ever did. I don't know if it still holds that record or not. That's funny. But, uh, you know, it would get several thousand hits a day. Yeah. Viral, as they say. Funny. Tell me about Old Time Radio. What's your favorite show? Hmm. Besides y'all's? Besides what? Besides y'all's show. Y'all. That's a text. Oh, y'all. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm on the bad phone. I'm very sorry. I meant. Oh, y'all. It's Sidney and Molly. Do you like detectives? Um. Sam Spade, Suspense, Henry Alden. Yeah, I liked uh, Duffy's Tavern a lot. I liked um, our Miss Brooks a tremendous amount. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering about, uh, are there much recordings of the old news shows? Interesting. Uh, it depends on what p- period. Um, I have a fair number from World War II. Uh huh. Now, there's something else I wanted to ask you guys about. Yeah. Uh, when I was in, I guess, high school, I got out of a library a set of 33 RPM records uh, with Edward R. Murrow, mm-hmm. and they called it Hear It Now. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it was put together like a history, a popular history, from about 1920 to, which I guess was the dawn of radio, right? to um, the atom bomb, I think. Now, did he have a show called Hear It Now? The answer is yes. Um, in the early 50s, um, I think originally it was and by the late 40s, it was produced as a record album, he and Fred Finley. And they had the same format, at least for one season or so, on radio. And I think it was called Hear It Now. Um, it was the forerunner before See It Now, you know, his, t- his TV version. But, uh, yes, yeah, he did. Because uh, I know it started around 1950-51 or so on radio. I'd love to... Uh get some copies of that if they exist. Yep, they do. And I love to monitor. I really I really loved listening to monitor. And you know, I used to like to listen to Arthur Godfrey. Oh yeah. Um you know, his show he had a show on quite late. because uh, I was in college and we're talking seventies. Yeah, he, he was on the air on C B S until nineteen seventy two or so. Yeah. And uh, um Art Link Letter still had a radio show yep. right in there, and uh, and I liked those. I liked listening to those. 
the sad thing for me was that by the time I really discovered radio, I mean, this kind of programming on radio, it had pretty much disappeared. The last things I remember were on Saturday afternoon, Have Gun Will Travel and Gunsmoke. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but so many of those shows were on <laughs> when I was a kid, but I'm, I'm coming up on 62. And when I was four, we got our first television set, and that pretty much ended anybody listening to the radio except in the car and or to look to music. And I think that was a shame. I remember when I was a, a little kid, we had a radio, and the neighbors across the street, we had a television, the people across the street did not. And the wife and two kids would come over to watch The Lone Ranger on television. And the father wouldn't. And he was a great fan of The Lone Ranger on radio. And he said, it's not the same on television. And I always thought that was so funny (laughs) until on things like this network y'all have. Yeah. Uh, listening to the radio of uh, the Lone Ranger, and I have to agree with him. I think it's a hundred percent better. It's just it's tremendous. You have to use your head. Yeah. No, I'm and, really, it's, no he it's said it just doesn't. Medium. What he what he had in his head. Mm-hmm. And um. um I tell Walden frequently that what I have... I will answer one of your questions. Oh, good. Okay. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, Sometimes I get lost, especially when I switch phones. Okay, I'm going to ask some questions. You just tell me when to stop, and you're going to answer one of them. Okay. Comic strip featured Daisy May, Mammy Yoakum, and Fearless Fosdick. Little Abner. Oh, boy, are you... I used to love those pictures of Fearless Fosdick with a bullet hole through his head and a bullet coming out, you know. And, of course, it never seemed to hurt him at all. And <laughs> of course not. <laughs> my favorite character that they had was Joe Blitzflick. Oh, was he the one with the cloud over his head? Yeah, the little guy that went around with the cloud over his head. And we have all known Joe Blitzflick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I'm glad you know how to pronounce his name. I like Joe Blitzflick, you know. <laughs> right. Fortunately, it's not permanent, but... Yeah, yeah, well, that, that show... And not I really show. used to love to see Al Cap on The Tonight Show and, and hear him on Monitor. Monitor was the first place I ever heard the Bickersons. And... Uh, Francis Lankford and uh, and Don Amici, yeah. Amici, and man, that that had me rolling on the floor. <laughs> Sounded somewhat like my parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, Richard, you understand that because you answered a question, you get a CD, right? Oh, fantastic! Well, one of the shows I have, and I've got bundles. So if there's something in particular you want, you let me know. But I do have a fair number of Bickersons. Okay. Would you like the Bickersons? Yeah. Okay. Is there something else you'd rather have? I don't know. If you have any of those Hear It Nows, I'd like that. Or Hear It Now. Or maybe some of the news 
Okay, I know I can find at least one of the shows. If there's one out there, there's more than one, and uh, I will find it. Well, this has been fun. Well, yes, it is fun, but I need a place where I can send your CD. Okay. Can you help me by sending your address to my Hotmail email? Okay. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I, it's, I'll spell this out, too. It's Florida Writer, F-L-O-R-I-D-A-W-R-I-T-E-R. Okay. At Hotmail. Dot com. All lowercase? Oh, it doesn't make any difference. They just love me. <laughs> so, uh, yes, all lowercase would be fine. All together, no separations in there. Okay. Well, y'all keep on keeping on. Well, we will. And I'm, I'm just so happy I can put another dot. I don't know when y'all start and when you end. Oh. Well, according your time, we can... I was already doing it when I turn on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Walden, Walden and I do it. Yes. We used to. We um we start at your time nine thirty. Okay. That's the time, and we've been known to go till four in the morning your time. Oh, it's one of these things. It's just you get tired and quit it, huh? Well, or they get kick us off, or or until Bill wakes up. Or until Bill wakes up. On there. <laughs> But we, no, I, I basically, I have the ready to play for about six hours or so. I've got to go over and see how he. Oh, works. you should see it. it is um, it is something else. Uh, tours are free. <laughs> and and the thing about it is all the memorabilia he got laying all over the place. Uh, people who love nostalgia, love how this radio station works, need to go over there. And a voice. Wow. And, and, he, and he can ride the train around the, his his uh his train around the house. He has trained that six people can ride. He got it running all around around the radio station. Oh, now I know I'm gonna have to. Yeah. <laughs> and children come up here, they're gonna want to see that. Uh huh. You like that? Yeah. That's good. I would too. I have never been there. There so. before I take him to the Cockroach Hall of Fame. Cockroach <laughs> <laughs> Hall of Fame. Oh my God. Richard, you have to call back. You you put us on your weekly list, please. And well, I got the. I finally wrote down the phone number and brought the telephone into the bedroom. And, oh good. Uh, well, I'm I'm very glad you. I called. I got. I, I dialed it wrong, and I got somebody's voicemail. Thank <laughs> God that I didn't. I was worried about waking somebody up in the middle of the night. Well, good thing you're, you're well, we're in California, so you're 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 in good shape. So I, you know. You're in Cal. Where are you in California? I live in Costa Mesa, next to Newport Beach, you know, old John Wayne country. Okay, and I take it that uh, um, your partner there is in Florida. Yeah, Patricia's in Florida, and Bill and Kim are down there in Richardson, Texas. Whereabouts in Florida? I'm on Fort Myers on the Gulf side. Yeah, well, we're going to try not to send you too much oil. Oh, boy. I'll tell you, it, it, it really is a sad situation. So. Well, my son um, captains a 100-foot-long service boat in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh-huh. And um, he has not uh, run across any of the oil slick yet. Mm. Uh but 
I'm sure we're gonna we're we're gonna go visit him this weekend. And Are you? We'll hear some stories. Well, I hope you have a good time. Well, I'll say Florida. <laughs> for a long time, the only time I'd get to Florida would be for hurricanes. So. <laughs> That's right. I really know how to throw a good hurricane, though. Oh, you do? Okay, well. I, I mean, really, I we... mean, the, the officials over there uh, seem to handle them pretty well. Yeah. And yeah, they they do. It it really is a good system that they have set up. They're good people. Much. Um, good preparation, coaching. So we're we're in pretty good shape. Well, okay. you may not know this, but... From June to November, people that live along the Gulf of Mexico uh, tend to keep a little box with flashlights and light and batteries and radio and. I have what I, I always put Vienna sauce. That's why I don't understand. You know, I live out here in California. I mean, I don't know why the weather is a big deal. Doesn't everybody have 72 degrees year-round? I mean, why does everybody look at the weather every day? Why Why do people worry about these little things called hurricanes? I don't understand these things. All, all I have to do is see if I'm going to wake up in the middle of the morning rocking and rolling with some little baby earthquake. That's all. But, you know. I don't know. The last hurricane I went through, uh, part of a courthouse roof flew off and hit my truck. Oh, good so, <laughs> Good now I've been through one hurricane. I was at the uh, Boy Scout National Jamboree at Fort AP Hill, Virginia, in 1981, and we were busy setting up a camp, a hundred thousand scouts, and we were out in the far perimeter, and a helicopter came flying by. Hurricane, hurricane! Everybody batting the hatch came blowing through, knocked down our, our big iron gateways. We were in old-fashioned Baker tent. My sleeping cot sunk through the mud. It was a for a California kid in Virginia. That was the only time I ever been through a hurricane. So I, I have total respect for those those who uh, got 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 those things out. Only gotten over a hundred here once so far this summer. Uh, you know, it will do it almost every day in July and August. But uh, thank God for air conditioning. Yeah, I. You know, when I went. Say my prayers of thanks. Oh yeah, when I go down and visit Bill and Kim, the first time I spent down, I spent like three weeks with them on, during in the summer, summer July. You know, I, where I live, I don't. We don't need air conditioning. We live three miles from the coast. Air conditioning is not a part of our life here. I was in a state of shock. I had to take a sweatshirt with me to all the restaurants in Texas. I have all these air conditioning. So here it's 100 degrees outside, and I walk in, I'm in just in a shell shock, you know. It's just, it was definitely a, a total different adventure going, going to Texas in the summer. Well, there's a saying about hurricanes that you hunker down from the wind, and you flee the storm surge, the <laughs> water. Well, I hunker down from the from the sun now, and I I try to get out early in the morning, and then uh, then hide from it and creep out after sunset, and that's not so bad. Actually, uh, Richardson is fairly pleasant. The weather 
And uh, this is the furthest north I've ever lived, just north of Dallas. And I think we got snowed on about five times last winter. And I had never been snowed on twice in any one winter. And, uh... Is Houston humid compared to Dallas? Much, much more. Okay. Humid, and, and usually I lived even closer to the Gulf than, than uh, Houston. And the weather is more moderate down there because it's closer to the water. Mm-hmm. It's not as cold in the winter or as hot in the summer. <clears throat> but 90% humidity is very common, and, uh, or worse. And, I mean, you'd get out of your car or something and your glasses steam up, that sort of stuff. And, uh, I mean, it would open up envelopes, you know, (laughs) like like you were steaming them. It's unbelievable. And and that's that's very hard to take. So, uh, and, of course, I grew up in a time when most people didn't have their homes air conditioned. I didn't go to an air-conditioned school until I went to the University of Houston. And, uh, I mean, if they wanted at school, they had to teach you all the important stuff in the morning because by afternoon you were all kind of going, uh, mm. you know, listening to the flies buzzing around. And, uh, you know, but still, I don't think I'd like the idea of earthquakes. Uh, it's just a way of life, you know. I'm. It doesn't bother me or anything, but me because I've lived here all my life, you know. Um, you know, I, I, to me, I'm wondering if I look through the people who go through tornado watches and things like that. Uh, that can be a little scary if you think about it, because you're seeing that coming. Yeah. You know, earthquakes. Yeah, I heard. I heard they have a tornado. Um, Sirens up here, mm. and I heard them going off one time, and that kind of gives you a little sort of a uh-oh feeling. Uh, where is that thing, and where should we go? Mm-hmm. And um, we don't have basements or things like that. Yeah. Um, with a hurricane, you can see it coming. Yeah. You know, you know it's coming. It doesn't sneak up on you like it did the old days. Well, no, but so, uh, there's. I've only evacuated from one because as a news person, I generally went to them. And <laughs> which. Well, Richard, I have a surprise for you. What's that? We have your Here It Now shows with Edward R. Murrow, and I will send them to you. Oh, God bless you. How about that? Do I get a gold star? I think you ought to be Miss Moniker when you don't get that. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, Richard. If you put us on your weekly call list and you keep winning CDs, we'll get your old-time radio collection up to snuff. (laughs) I don't really have one. Well, you're going to now. Okay, dear. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Richard. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there you go. There we go. Okay, two questions down. Now we've got more questions to go. So the next one was, what is the Phantom's home base? Who was Dennis the Menace's next-door neighbor? 
whom he just did an awful stuff to. Oh, and here's a good one. In which country was the comic strip Terry and the Pirates set? Hey, and the Pirates! Yeah, that one, too. Um, and if you don't like them, I'll find something else. 714-545-2071. Be like Chris, you're calling tonight. I, I've heard from some of you calling during the interview, wanting to know when, Patri when Patricia going to have her trivia. It's now. 714-545-2071. And I'd love to talk to you about cartoon, your memories, radio, any goodies you want to talk about here. Hello, Carl. You're on with Patricia. Yeah, hi, uh, Walden, Patricia. Hi. Ralph calling. Hi, Ralph. Ralph, how you doing? Uh, I'm pretty good, thank you. And you? I am fine, thank you. We haven't heard from you for a couple of weeks. Oh, I thought I'd talk to you last week. Did, did Ralph call last week? Well, yeah. I, I'm going to say both of you correct. Yeah, last week. <laughs> Talked about my childhood. childhood. Okay. <laughs> and and you wished Walden a happy birthday. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, shame on me. Okay. Oh. So, um... Are you in the market for a question, or did you call to uh, talk with us, or what? Well, I, both. I, I wanted to, you know, I heard you talking about hurricanes. Yeah. Oh, yes. At, at Texas. And, you know, I, when I was in the Navy, I was on a, an aircraft carrier. And uh, we were the first ship of that size to ever go up the Houston Shipping Canal. Wow. That's a we, pretty good sized ship. Uh, yeah, yeah, we did it all on radar navigation. Wow. <laughs> but when I got to Houston, it was so hot that the the heat from the sidewalk was burning up through my leather sole shoes. Holy cow! I had to go sit in the grass and take <laughs> take my shoes off for a while. Man, they got heat there. I wonder if somebody could really find eggs on the sidewalk. I don't doubt it. <laughs> I don't I will... doubt it at all. I will say yes. I think it'll be pretty sticky. You probably couldn't flip it for it'll have to be sunny side up, but I'll bet you could do it. Yeah, yeah. And what else? Oh, the other thing, hurricanes. You, you know, we used to uh, pull out a port for hurricanes and anchor. Yeah. And just swing out there. And, and been through a few like that, but, you know, they weren't bad. They were much, much tougher on the facility when we got back to base. I I would think so. I think you can rock and roll with water when you're in a big ship, but when it finally hits land, we talk about a surge and wind and yes, awful stuff. So I I can understand that. I've never thought of it uh, in those terms before, but I was on the, I I was on the aircraft aircraft carrier the Kitty Hawk one time just doing a visit in a sunny morning service during the jamboree, uh -huh. and those things are so big. Ralph, could you feel something move, like through a hurricane? With a, with a hurricane, could you feel the, the boat go up and down when you... Well, uh, Walden, the roughest weather I ever experienced is we pulled out of Quonset Point, Rhode Island, mm -hmm. into Narragansett Bay, mm -hmm. and we were taking waves over the, over the bow, over the flight deck. Holy cow! That's the roughest weather I, I ever encountered. Wow. My dad, my dad, when he was uh, during the Korean War, he was stationed down at Panama Canal, and they got hit from one of the Atlantic storms, and mm -hmm. and got to the point everybody was sick, and you wish you could die, 
and then you realize you weren't going to die, so you wanted to still die anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. The worst thing people could tell you was that you weren't going to be dead. Yeah. Oh, seasickness was a, a big problem. <laughs> Awful stuff. Oh, I was only an enlisted man, and I had to share a bucket with a captain. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. You know, it's hard to use the rail when the water's coming over it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they were good days. I, I enjoyed the, so much. Where Where did you get to, I mean, you don't stay on the water all the time. Did you get to see or be in any unusual places? Yeah, I, I went in the Navy, and they ask, you know, they always ask you where you want to go. See the world. And I said, I want to go all over the world, and I want to see everything. Uh-huh. And the furthest I ever got was Houston, Texas. <laughs> that, was, that was my big cruise. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the day I got off the ship to go to school, it left for Indochina. Oh, no. Yeah, and on the way over there, they, they, they were involved in an operation called Operation Wigwam, which is an atomic test. Mm. Oh, my God. Mm. And, you know, going to a reunion in later years, so many of the guys got throat cancer and died. I'm just lucky I didn't go there. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So it was just pure happenstance. Yeah. Yeah, so I went to school, I became a watchmaker. No kidding! Yeah, and I spent the rest of my time on a, a repair ship. Oh my goodness! You know, that uh, that is an art. Can, let me ask you this, Ralph. When you f repair watches, can you tell the quality of a watch? What can you tell? I mean, can, in other words, I'm saying, are there, you know, different watches cost different types of money. Oh, oh could, yeah, yeah. Could yeah. you could like you tell? When you open up a watch case and 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 you see, you see the jewels, the little ruby colored jewels. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you can readily spot whether it's a 17 or a 21, and uh, if it doesn't have jewels, then it's just got steel. Uh, uh, it's got steel pivots and brass bushings. Mm -hmm. A much much lesser quality watch. But we had uh, we had Hamilton uh, B992B, which is a railroad watch that had been modified for the military, and instead of having 21 jewels, it had 23 jewels. Wow! Because it, it they modified it to uh, accommodate a sweep second hand. So nobody could pass off a counterfeit. Um, it, it would be unlikely that somebody could try to do a knockoff of it. Well, if, if you know anything at all about them, I, I think you could spot a phony. Did you ever have something, but I'll, I'll say a knockoff. Did you ever have a knockoff come in with um, not jewels, uh, fake jewels glass? Mm, no, I never ran into that. Um, could it happen? I imagine it does happen. And uh, I worked for a jeweler some, for some time after I got out of the Navy. Mm -hmm. And people would actually come in and accuse him of stealing the jewels out of their watch. <laughs> uh, but actually, the jewels, they're, they're uh, man-made rubies. Yes. They're not worth a whole lot. Right. Yeah. But they are excellent bearings. Uh, Jewelry, then, so you're telling me that 
uh, jewels inside the white, are there, uh, are they used besides for decoration, right? No. No, it's mostly the, for decoration? The stems of the, of the wheels mm -hmm. go through jewels. Okay. The jewels are a much better bearing surface. Hmm. But they're functional. They're not decorative. They're functional. Yeah, and they're they're real smooth inside, and they don't wear out like like steel plates do. Got it. Okay. That's why I have some watches here that are hundred years old, and they still run. I got old Elgins and Walthams and uh -huh. Hamiltons. I think I, one time I went onto a website just to see. The history of Elgin, and I guess they pretty much went out of business in the early 70s. I was curious, you know, um, it was, it, to me when I was just thumbing around, it's amazing some of the history of some of the watch manufacturers go back so far, and eventually they, you know, sort of petered out. Yeah, and you know, like uh, the deck clocks, the wall clocks mm -hmm. that we had, uh, they were made by Chelsea and also by Seth Thomas. And I think both of those factories burned down, and Seth Thomas products are being made in Germany under contract, buddy. Um, Seth Thomas was famous for its grandfather clocks. They made uh, wall clocks, and uh, with the clock I have, it's called a deck clock. Seth Thomas was was they did not help me here. Did Seth Thomas make? Grandfather clocks, or were they the mantle clocks? You know, that would have been a little out of my my line, but I I don't recall ever seeing a Seth Thomas grandfather clock. You're you're right. A Seth Thomas was um, like a nautical or a mantle uh, and, clock. And like, sound right? Uh, wall clocks with uh, chimes in it, like. Uh huh. But uh, I don't think they made grandfather clocks. They may very well have at some point. They make grandbaby clocks? Mm. Kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, no, they have grandmother clocks and granddaughter clocks. <laughs> they have granddaughter clocks? Yeah, I no, they, they had grandmother clocks. I didn't know about granddaughter clocks. That's well, a new one. Yep. Well, Ralph, would you, would you expect to really have good hand-eye coordination? I mean, I would think. At that point, yes. Yeah. I couldn't do it now. But I think back then you have to have that kind of skill to do to repair washes, I would think. Yeah, well, you know, they. I had a little bit of knowledge before I went into service, mm -hmm. and I was lucky lucky enough to get into the instrument school, and they they, they taught you very well there. But we just uh, we did watches, clocks, uh, pressure and vacuum gauges, adding machines, typewriters. All, all sorts of mechanical devices, mm. which are now all battery-powered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I like that work, too. What would be the co more common thing to fix? Would it be the spring? What would be a normal thing that you generally, you know, every 10 watches you got, was there a pretty common element something went wrong? You know, generally, when we'd get them, they were pretty well taken care of, and we'd just have to clean them and oil them. Okay. And time them. And uh, occasionally, you would get a broken balance staff or something, and we were all, all stocked up to repair those things. But you know, the way it worked, uh, a ship pulls up alongside of a repair ship, and 
everything that needs repairing comes off and goes on to the repair ship. I did not know that. I did not know oh, that. Oh, yeah. You see all sorts of things. So we used to get all the instruments up in our shop, and uh, the ship had a foundry on it, and it had a heavy machine shop and a light machine shop. And some of the best welders I've ever seen, they could make almost anything. Replace a broken part from the ship. Uh-huh. It was, I, I thought it was like a little factory. So I was just thinking, just think, during the Second World War, um, how fast they put some of these ships back into into condition. Mm. You know, if you think about it, if, some, if it went through a lot of battles... Uh, some of these ships were put back in in commission right away, it seemed like, within three, four months, I, I, I'm assuming. They took a lot out of the um, out of the Ghost Fleet, or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. A lot of World War One stuff came out and went back online. And uh, the destroyers from World War One had four stacks on them, or three stacks, mm-hmm. test in my mind. And the new ones, they only had one stack. So I think we gave a great proportion of the old ships to England under that loan lease program. Okay. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, that, that, I, I don't think I ever saw a three or a four stacker in our Navy. Yeah. One stacker. Did you get to read funny sheets? I'm sorry? No, seriously, did you get newspapers or did you get to read funny sheets? When you were on board? Well, no, not too much. Uh, we used to get uh, the ship's paper would come out uh-huh. with all the little bits of interest that happened during the week. Uh, not much cartoons. <laughs> no cartoons. Okay, then how do you know the answers to what I'm going to ask you? Uh, I don't know. All right. You, you, you want the questions? Sure. All right. You're always so good. I don't know where you pull this information from, Ralph. You are too too much. Okay. What was the Phantom's home base? Well, he lived in the, wasn't it the Ghost Cave? You're close. Yeah, he lived there. They called him the Ghost Who Walked. Right. Very, Very good. Five automatics. And he lived in some kind of a skull cave. That was it, the Skull Cave. You are absolutely right. See, you did it again. Yeah, I like the Phantom. Is it still running? Oh, my. You know what I have recently discovered, and I I, I never really remember hearing them before, but listening to your programs, I I hear the Bickersons. Uh Uh-huh. I think they're terrifically funny. Would you like a terrifically funny CD with the Bickersons? That That would really be beautiful. Then you shall have it. Okay, Bickerson's under Ralph. There it is. Wunderbar. Super? Is that what you said? Super? It's wunderbar. Oh, wunderbar. I, I was talking over my my own um, voice here. I, I, ta- I tease with Walden every once in a while, and I'll, he'll say, talk New York at me. <laughs> oh, let me have some New York. Oh, and I'll say, hey, it's super, you know. <laughs> Um, it, it's the way my brother actually talks. He he picked up everything in New York, so he really sounds like a native New Yorker, which of course he is, but um, he sounds like it. Well, my best friend's daughter is living out in California now, mm-hmm. 
And she is as New York as you can get. Really? And I don't, people don't seem to understand her. <laughs> she's really she's really got a uh, real rough accent. <laughs> That's cute. Well, they're just going to have to perk up their ears. And she's such a beautiful girl, you know. You'd expect a nice, soft voice to be coming out. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Well, you know what? I, I wanted to comment that you, you, uh, both you and Walden, uh -huh. sound like you're you're a lot, a lot younger. And maybe you know, I, I wonder how you got involved in this old time radio because it seemed like it was out of your time frame. Well, I think that is a super question. I found it by accident, and I truly mean by accident. I didn't even know it existed, Ralph. I was looking for talk show radio shows on the internet. I would because I've said this so many times on air. I am a talk show junkie. Yes. Oh, well, this is cool. You know, we've well, got so many radio stations out there. So I was trying to find talk shows, and I wound up being sent to Live 365, which is such a, a melting pot of shows from all over the place. And in the category talk show, I found Yesterday USA. And I had no idea what it was. Uh. So I... I thought it was, you know, a regular talk show, and I don't think that they mislabeled it. I think they put it in that category because Bill and Mike have a live show during the week, and on the weekend there are live shows, and, and people like Frank and Walden talk about old-time radio. So mm -hmm. essentially there were talk show elements to it, but I thought it was a talk show radio show. I see. And I found it, when I say by accident, I really mean by accident. I had no idea what I was listening to until I heard a Fibber McGee and Molly, and some, something happened with the closet. And I said, now I know what they were talking about. Oh, yeah. I would grow, I, when I was growing up, somebody would, would mention, oh, that looks like Fibber McGee's closet. What the heck is a Fibber McGee's closet? And that's how I discovered old-time radio. Oh, cool. Yeah, I thought so too. And the, and then Walden got stuck with me. Walden must have Walden must have read, read all the books. Uh, well, uh, and he wrote most of them. <laughs> I um I've been actively in this hobby since uh, 1976. Okay, you've been at it. Yeah, but I was just a little, well, I was nine, ten years old. So, um, but I I love talk radio, and I. One night, Ray Breen took a night off, and uh, Bill Bounce had his good friend Frank Brzee on. Uh -huh. And they started playing the clips, and Brett Morrison, who was the child, came at 1 in the morning. So the next day, um, in the mid-70s, you could go to regular record stores out here in Cal and buy 8-track tapes of old-time radio shows. Oh, really? So that's what I did. So those two 8-track tapes were led into... I don't know, twenty, thirty thousand radio shows oh going in this bedroom on cassettes <laughs> and CDs. So, and that, and my love of interviews and uh, collecting, reading, and just it's all have just been a part of my life for the last thirty-five years. So, so that's uh, that's not a couple of days. That's significant. <laughs> uh, when when did they uh, do the Bickerson shows? Well, I completely missed that. Well, it was interesting. The history of the Bickerson, it started um, on a dream show, Donnie, in 1946. 
it was a, it was a hot pot. In other words, Danny Thomas had his own segment. Uh, Francis Lanford and uh, Don Amici were guests on the show. Mm. And the writer on the show said he came up with the, the concept of the Bakerson. And it was based upon, I had a son at an old-time radio convention. He said that really was his parents' lifestyle. He could, I could wake up in the middle of the night and hear mom and dad doing this whole routine. Oh, yes. So dad put it out on paper Ooh. and cast it at Don and me. And Francis said, why me? Well, that's the way you sound to me, Francis. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I was out of circulation to some degree at that during so, those years. So it, so it was a segment on that show, and then it became, then it had a short little run. And then it became a segment on the Charlie McCarthy show. Oh, really? Yes. And then I think what what most people so it, was, it had little short runs of different minutes here, different little sketches on different shows. But most people became familiar with the Bickersons in the ni- early 1960s because uh, they decided to put out two record albums. Yeah, well, if it wasn't for your station, I, I I don't think I'd have known about them. I heard a couple today that had me on the floor. Yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> they're amazing. Uh, Bob Hastings, who was Archie Andrews on radio, and Rosemary Rice, who was Betty, they well, they just love it. And they they that's what they like to do: go to the old-time radio convention and perform at the Bickerson. So I had to have Patricia type up another Bickerson script. Uh, for them that we're going to do in two weeks in Seattle. So, uh, Andrew, I remember him. He had a friend named Jughead. That's right. In fact, last night I ran my last my friend Hal Stone, who was Jughead on radio, ran his interview that we did with him last night. And we had uh, Bob Hastings' younger brother on the show uh, last night, too. But, uh, yeah, Bob is 85. He was Archie Andrews for 10 years. And then... Rosemary Rice with Betty on that show for 10 years. And, uh, you know, that that was a, definitely a fun show. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. Well, I guess I'm out of stuff to say, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, Beth! You said that. pretty good. Well, you know, Ralph, you just said Patricia's favorite word. Do you know what that is? <laughs> oh. Walden has been asking for a couple of weeks, what is Patricia's favorite word? And you just said it. I did. Yes. Well, uh, the, the duck didn't come down. <laughs> I didn't win $100. Well, I don't have $100, but I'll toss in some extra shows. <laughs> what was it, though? Yeah, what was it? <laughs> what did you say you were out of? Things to say, I think. Close. Close, but what did you actually said? Oh, God. <laughs> I, have to, I, have to, I have to refer to my notes. <laughs> no, <laughs> what did I say? Well, I don't know. Is it fair to well, let him know? Well, yeah. Because... Well, I don't know. I think we, we can you can always email Ralph. We can just have the picture. Like we have the audience note. Ralph said Patricia's favorite word. Can anybody say what, what, is, what is Patricia? Yeah, and I, I think you deserve some extra stuff, Ralph, because... People on Groucho would say the word, and they had no idea what they were saying until the duck came down, and I don't have a Absolutely. So I will send you an email with the word that you used. Okay. 
Okay. <laughs> and in the meantime, what else besides the Bickersons would you like? Because I'll have extra room on that CD. I can put other shows on there, too. Well, I dearly love Silver McGee and Molly. Well, you may dearly have some shows, then. I, I, I thought I had them, but apparently I don't. There are only 900 of them out there, Ralph, so I think you're safe. You. I think you're safe. Um, wait a minute. You know what might have been in the envelope that I dropped in the mail today? Hold on. Don't. My wife wanted something. Um, oh, what was it now? It was just last week. You think you're Lisa Asker? Macy knows what Patricia's secret word was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know. I'm having trouble with my mousey here. Let's see. Ah, oh, there we go. Okay. Um, what I'm what I'm trying to do is find that's not even the folder. It's it's the right side, Patricia. Click up the upper right hand corner. Well then. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's see. I've been trying to be a good girl and keep track of what I send out to people. Let's see. Um, I sent you Phil Harris. That's what you asked for last time? Yeah, week? yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But it was. I can, I can give you some more Fibber McGee and Molly. Would you like that? Yeah, I, I love it, yeah. Okay, because I got oodles of that. You will have. I'll and put I, I, that and the, and the Bickersons would be great. And the Bickersons. I will put the Bickersons on, and then whatever room I have left over, I will give to Fibber McGee and Molly. Terrific. Okay. This is cool. You knew another answer, Ralph. Uh huh. I'm sorry. You're batting a thousand here. Oh, good. <laughs> well, I'm really glad you called in. Well, uh, it's pretty hard for me to miss a week. Uh, oh, I'm so glad you're with us. Thank you. And in the habit. Good. Thank you both for uh, having such a great show. Thank uh, you, thanks. Ralph. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Good night. Good night. Bye bye. There's our good friend Ralph. Okay, so we've got another winner. Now I have to add another question. We're talking about, let me let me put out um, just a, oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the air with Patricia. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Who is that? I called in, I called in earlier and uh, said, oh, call back. Uh, that's right. And, and your name is Ken, right? Right, yeah. Uh, and you're calling from Bakerfield, California, so you, Patricia can put you on her map. Uh, oh, goody. Hi, Ken. You you got your trivia right, so uh, where do I send us? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to answer one of Patricia's trivia, and then you can win a CD, so... Uh, well, uh, my wife's gone, uh, so uh, I'm by myself. So. Uh, but I talked for earlier this evening with uh, someone for... Yep, you talked to me. Uh, you and I were talking off air while Patricia was oh, doing the interview. Oh, was that you? Yeah, it was me. Oh, well, I didn't have as good a connection as we do now. That's me. Well, now, you you, you were telling me off air that you spent a whole career in the oil, oil business. No, I didn't say I spent... Ah, I'm sorry. Uh, I, <clears throat> I spent many, many, many years on drilling rigs. Right. But uh, some of them was a long way from an oil field. Ah, okay. Some of them uh, were a pretty good while. Uh, some of them were 32 feet across. Wow. And uh, two or 3,000 feet deep. Well, where where did you... That wasn't for oil. Okay. <laughs> Ken, uh, it was not for oil? Is that correct? What? That was, it, did you just... Uh, well, didn't, did, do I need to get ticked up a little bit? I'll, I'll do that. Okay. Uh, um, 
What were Tommy. you drilling for? I didn't hear you. What were you drilling for? Uh, to put something in there. <laughs> <laughs> were you drilling for oil? Nope. We what put something in there and uh, worked the other way. It blew out. We didn't mean for it to blow. I worked in Mercury, Nevada. Oh, okay. You know where that is? Uh-huh. Huh? Yeah, I, well, I, you said Nevada. I know where Nevada is. Well, this is Mercury. Got it. I bet you know one part of it. What? It's divided into 100 sections. Or it was then. This is many years ago. And I bet you, if I tell you one of them, you say, oh, I know that one. You want me to tell you what it is? Tell me. Sure. Area 51. Hmm. Do you know what that is, Walden? Uh-huh. That's the, uh, that is the part down in New Mexico where they think the flying saucer landed. No, no. You're thinking of uh, all the, oh, what's the name of where the crash was down there? Rose right. Roosevelt. No, this is where they're supposed to have taken this stuff. Ah. Oh, okay. You, now do you know where it is? No. Yeah, yeah I bet you do. If we talk about Area 51. Mm-hmm. It's in all kind of science stuff and everything, and this, that, and the other. Well, geography is not the strongest subject Patricia and I have, so... This, I, well, this, this one is on television. It's been on television and everything, Area 51. Uh-huh. It's one of the areas in Mercury, Nevada. Huh. And that's where the atomic test site... I see. At the, out there in New Mexico. I mean, out there oh. in Nevada. <laughs> Nevada. And New Mexico in my mind, you're right. Yeah. Right right north of Las Vegas. Right. And we used to, uh, well, I worked there all during the 60s, Nat, and uh, we used to spend our off time down in Vegas, when Vegas was only about a strip long, you know. And uh, yep. then you could walk up and down, and walk at any joint almost, and uh, crap table or <laughs> someplace, one of the old rat pack would be in there. Oh, my gosh, I always talk about the lounge hack where you can see Kiwi Smith or Harry James or anybody oh, yeah. for, for free. I mean, no, I mean, these were just uh, customers. Yeah. They just, you'd just pass them on the street. And right. The only one, uh, and then the later on, but I can't remember exactly the date, uh, at that time they didn't allow Sammy Davis down there. Yeah, I know. He lived, uh, He, but he, you could walk uh you know where the end of Vegas, I think it's a plaza? Right. Well, right on the other side of it was a, a district that he he frequented all the time. Yeah, I, my surrogate mom, Kitty Cowan, the famous singer, was the one that built the curb barrier for him in Las Vegas. Oh, she was. Kitty Cowan, uh, that name's really familiar, but... If you remember during the Second World War, song like, uh... Kiss me once and kiss me twice. It's been a long, long time. Or, oh yeah, kiss it, me once and kiss me twice. Yep, yep. Kiss it, me once again. Yeah. It's been a long, long time. That was that was her. No, and, I'll be doing it. Yeah, you know, uh, but that's, yeah, she was the she was the one that broke the color barrier for for uh, Sammy Davis. Mickey, she and Mickey Rooney were a double bill on act, and Mickey Rooney got sick. I think I remember something about that. Yeah, and so Kitty called Sammy Davis, and that helped break the car barrier in Las Vegas. But I'm 39, you know, and I don't... Oh, that's right. ...much of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Vegas was something else, and right now I just get lost. I'm, it's like uh, I 
walk in the middle of it, it's like I'm in heaven. It's in every direction there's something to do. And I, I mean, yet you don't know what to do about any of it. <laughs> That's funny. That's, uh, are you up on your funny sheets? Uh, I'm not so, so much up on anything. <laughs> <laughs> you, want, you want to take a shot? You, what do you mean funny sheets? Funny sheets, comic sheets, uh, the comic strips, the Sunday comics. The latest ones? No, no. old ones. Nope. Oh, I, 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 I used to read the funny paper all the time. Good. Well, then that's what I am looking for. Um, can you tell me who Dennis the Menace's next door neighbor is? Oh, Mr. Dennis the Menace. Uh, no, I'm, my memory's not that good. Mr. That's... something, yeah. That... No, I can't. Okay, what about Fermigy and Molly? Their neighbor? Uh, well. Yeah, how about, you, you remember the, the, the street address? Uh, can you give me a hint? Uh, well, I've, I've got another uh, comic. 660, uh, I can remember, uh, but take me. Well, you, you're close. Thompson, something, something. What's the, uh, well, what's the, Patricia got another one for you here. I, I have another one. Give me the name of Donald Duck's nephews. Daffy? Was it Daffy Duck? Donald Duck. And Daffy Duck, wasn't it? Nope. Daffy was a different character. Oh, it was. Donald and... Donald oh. Duck had three nephews. Uh, uh, I'll be darned. Okay. Don't give up. We got some more here. We have more. Um... I'll think of all these in about an hour. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Do you remember the comic strip Moon Mullins? Yeah, Moon and Moon Mullins and. Well, his his name Moon was short for something longer. What was his, what was his name? His his actual name. It was a longer name than Moon. What moonshine was it? Yes, it was. Right. Oh, it was. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Okay. Well, you know, you, that's a hard one. Uh. You, you missed Donald Duck. Uh, well, see, I'm from that country. I'm from Kentucky originally. Okay. Oh, so moonshine is something that you recognize? Oh, I've, I knew a bunch of people that was involved in it. In fact, over at, uh, at a, let me see, my grand uncle was shot to death right in the mouth of Mammoth Cave uh, uh, where they were out there on Sunday afternoon partying and shooting everything and they drink that moonshine and everything and he got killed right in the mouth of Mammoth Cave. Oh my. You heard of Mammoth Cave, didn't you? No. No. Uh, I'm I'm a little upset that somebody got shot and killed. Well, it's uh, one of the biggest uh, things in the in the world. You never heard of Mammoth Cave? No. <laughs> I'm not doing very well tonight, can am I? No, well, I'll ask you another question. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a national park. Uh, now it is. Is it? Walden, does that name? It now, after Ken mentioned, I think I do. It's Mammoth Cave. I think I heard of it now. I've never been in Kentucky, so I've never seen it. But I think I can't explain it to us. I think I've heard of it now. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, mm -hmm. it's, well, I saw something up at Mercury that, Reminded me of it, and uh, 
and there's I ain't gonna mention this other one, but it's one here in California that that's similar to it. Mm, wow. Well, you walk into it, it's like a city block, high and wide and everything. Oh, wow. Ken, tell me what your favorite radio show is. Uh, well, uh, my favorite one's gone. Uh, it died, uh, he died, what was his name, uh, about a year or so ago. Uh, the old, been around for a hundred years. Oh, Paul Harvey? Yeah, Paul Harvey, not Pat. Paul Harvey, you bet. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, and you know, I didn't really realize that, uh, that he was, uh, in the industry so much. Yeah. Several times since then, I've said, with Paul Harvey, with Paul Harvey, you yep. know, down the line, as a character. Yeah, he started in radio in the 30s. But this, I mean, in television, and I mean, radio, uh, movies, and yeah. stuff like that, he, he, he'd been around, but it was, he was down the list, you know what I mean? Right. And, uh, and I loved his show. It was only, oh, what, 15 minutes a day or something? Yep, 15 minutes a day, and he had a five-minute newscast, and uh, he had a thing called the rest of the stories, that he could uh, tell stories. And... Well, if I can find some Paul Harvey shows, would you like to have them? Well, I, I, I record, uh, I got here for a while since my wife's gone, uh, uh I can clutter up, and I have taken advantage of it. I've cluttered. I've got, oh, probably thousands of cassettes stacked around. Wow. And uh, I like, uh, well, I kind of get tired of watching commercials, you know. Yeah. And uh, I'll watch commercials until I go to sleep, and then there'll be a loud commercial coming on later on wake me up. and. And on the cassettes, I can put a cassette in there with any of the old programs and really interesting and usually go to sleep by the end of it and it cuts off and so I'm in business. I love, and I love the old, old radio is, there's just no writers anymore either, I guess, because there's no producers, you know. Well, are you able to listen on a computer? Yes, uh-huh. You can do that. Okay. Well, tell me, tell me um, some radio shows that you like that you wish you had to play. Well, uh, you can't beat uh, Lux Theater. Lux Radio Theater, yeah, that's a great show. And uh, I've been uh, uh, two or three of the uh, the real classics, uh, the Grapes of Wrath, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, all of any of those real old classics. Uh, I don't have to name them, you know. Well, if you can. Um Walden will be able to get an address from you, and if you would be willing to give it to him, I can get a CD of Lux Radio Theater out to you. Oh, well, that'd be wonderful. Well, I'd be happy to do it. Well, I certainly appreciate it. Walden, can you help with yep. an address? Yep. So uh, let me uh, take care of, uh, let me put a little music on, and Ken, I'll take you off the air and get your address. Oh, I thought you were the one I was talking to earlier. Well, uh, yeah, you, you, you and I talked, and Patricia's on with me, too. So, hold on for a second, Ken, and we're going to get the address, and we're going to have a little music here on Yesterday USA. When I was just a little girl my mother, what will I be? Will I be pretty? 
Somebody somewhere Wants me and needs me. That's very wonderful to know. Somebody lonely wants me to care. Wants me of all people. To be wanted, need to be needed, and I'll admit I'm all aglow, cause somebody Say hello. Somebody somewhere wants me 
Very wonderful to know. Patricia. Are we back? How are you, Olden? We're doing good. I got Ken's address, and we were. Oh, that's good. We were you kibbish. can send it to me, and I can send him his CD. Yeah. And he sounds really happy that he's going to get Lux Radio. He is. Yep. He was talking to us, uh, to me earlier. He said he was one of those that ever sing. And I said, yep. In the early days in Vaudeville, Jim Jordan was a singer, and so we were just. Talking about that. Hello, Carl. You are on with Patricia. Okay, this is Cassie Zagel of North Shell, New York. <laughs> Hello, Cassie Zagel. How are you? Okay. Uh, I got. I got. I was uh, busting my brains out, and I says, "Yeah, I remember the three nephews." You do remember the three nephews? Okay, go for okay. it. Okay. It was Huey, Dewey, and Louie. You are. So so right. <laughs> and the other one, uh, the Tyree and the Pirates, I was thinking of the Far East. The only country I could think of would be China. Well, that is exactly what it was, but you only needed one correct answer, Cassie. 
Okay, that's it. That's all I could, you know, try to get my uh, brains going here. Well, we don't... It's so wonderful when the people call in, whether they know the answers or not, or they take a guess. Uh-huh. Just talking about their backgrounds and, and, you know, life experiences and stuff uh-huh. like that. Good stuff. Wonderful to hear uh, the, the family. I call them the family calling in. Yeah, true. It's wonderful. You learn so much. You keep your mouth shut, you open up your ears, and you listen to other people. <laughs> you learn so much. Oh, I remember in the first grade, uh, the teacher had a sign that said, Silence is golden. <laughs> I believe it. You know, through my life, I realize that now. Somebody used to say that I had two ears and one mouth. The mouth only had to work half as hard as the ears. Yeah. But the uh, the secret word that, uh, that I, I was listening, I, I couldn't figure it out. You couldn't figure out Patricia's secret word? No, no, I couldn't do it. It, it went past my brain. Well, Thinking um, of the three nephews yeah. of Donald Duck, and it, I must have shot past my brain. <laughs> well, <laughs> tell me what you would like in a CD. Okay, uh, I like Fred Allen. Oh, boy, do I have some Fred Allens. Okay. Yes, I like Fred Allen. I I have Fred Allen in my files, and he was a good guy. Good choice. But as I understand it, he hated TV. He was not come to TV. No, he was not comfortable in TV. Nope. Yeah. And uh, he was in Vaudeville, and then he went on the radio. Yep. Yep, and then I think he he really viewed himself as a writer, and he yeah. he really wrote his material. Right, right. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating man. Yep, I agree. He's too young too. I agree. Huh? I agree. 1956 is when he passed away at age 60. Yes. Way too young. Yeah. Way too young. Way too young. I think he suffered from high blood pressure. Correct. You're good. You're good. In fact, he took a year and a half off in radio just to not just to see if he can calm his blood pressure down. Wow. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I, if I knew it, I forgot it, and shame on me. And, uh, place up in Maine that he loved. That's right. Um, let me think. Or- Orchard Bay? Orchard? Orchard something. Orchard yeah. something. Um, Orchard, like in the Bronx here, it's got Orchard Beach, well, it's probably very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something with Orchard in the title. He, what he's, he, always he, didn't became, any, he didn't have any children, but no. I think, you know, it was like he was in, he loved, he loved uh, a, what, an actor and his wife's uh, kid. Uh, I know they were close to J- James and Pamela Mason. Right, he and, loved their child. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was his own. And uh, the, you know, the Portland and Fred uh, were very common, ordinary people. They lived in, I guess, in a ho- hotel room. Yeah. And they didn't have a car. He just couldn't believe anybody wanted to live in California. Right, right. And he did a lot of walking. You know, he was a big, yeah. big on walking. And one of the walks he said. Manhattan. How, How are you feeling this week? Oh, I'm okay. You doing better? Yes, I'm doing better. 
You were you were a pretty sick cookie there for a while. Oh yes, 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 yes. Uh huh. Well, I'm. Okay, I gotta go up to Hawthorne, New York. Uh huh. Uh, uh, my uh, my landlord's because she's gonna drive me up there because I have it's a yearly thing where I have to. A lot of people don't realize that they still have a draft board. Huh. It's been done away with. That there are thirty thousand of us ready to uh, get ready in case they start the draft again. So you go once a year to a designated area to train for a couple hours on the old stuff, the old type of stuff that was, you know, the old draft board. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. And uh, it's fascinating because uh, you know I think I'm the only guy with a high school diploma. Everybody else has got the at least uh, a four-year degree. Some are politicians. Some are owners of actual factories. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. uh, some are retired. In my, in my group, it's a retired uh, chief of detectives of the city of New York. And he comes up, I think, from Florida, and he's well-tanned when he goes to that meeting. You know, he, you know so... It's an amazing thing, but it's a 20-year thing that you sign up for. You don't get paid, but it's in the event that they declare some kind of war, you know, more than what they do now, where they have to bring on a draft. Mm -hmm. You have to be ready. You have to be ready. So they have 30,000 of us that prepare every year for a couple of hours, you know. Last year, I did it in my hospital bed after they chopped off my uh, foot. Oh, boy. My foot. So I had a, uh, my, they sent me a DVD, and I did the examination on a DVD player. Huh? And so I nailed it in. Wow. Well, I am so glad you are doing better, and I will get a Fred Allen CD to you in the mail. Very good. Okay. All right, Cassie. Thanks for calling. Okay, Walden, happy birthday. Thank you. Second week in a row. Thank you. Are you going to go for a third week or just these two weeks? Hey, well, it's going to be up to Patricia. She can, she, oh, she, she can be, okay. yeah, she can determine my birthday, my birthday schedule. Very good. Okay, I'll let him know. Thanks, Cassie. <laughs> Thanks, Cassie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There we go. Now, for Walden's birthday, we are still working on only the second week of his birthday. Walden is probably the most enthusiastic birthday kid I have ever met in my life. <laughs> he starts reminding people somewhere around Christmas <laughs> that his birthday is coming. Are you there, Walden? I sure am. Poor Walden. No. The week before is a week of anticipation for Walden. Yeah. I'm not kidding. And the week after, he just continues to celebrate. Yep. Well, if you missed saying happy birthday to him last week, please call and say it this week because he's still celebrating. 714-545-2071. You can call and wish Patricia a happy birthday, too. You just don't know when it is. <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> That's an poor, inside poor joke. Run out in um, in Hawaii. I must have sounded very rude to him last week, but um, I don't share it very often. But I know Walden will. So you keep listening, Ron, and you'll find out when my birthday is. I don't Walden think I, does I, not keep secrets well. I don't think I'm going to be able to sh sh 
Uh, only way I can tell is you can figure out the secret word on her birthday. Then I'll disclose it. That can be tough. You get one hour. If you can say her secret word on her birthday, then I can say yes, you hit the. So you got a one out of 365 day chance that Felipe which is 1366. <laughs> you know. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you've, you've narrowed the choices down, haven't yeah, you? I sure have. It could, it's a possibility one, one out of 366 days out of the year. Well, we could tell them that it's the second half of a year, so that'll cut it in half. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And what is my favorite word? Poor Walden has been working on this for so many weeks, and nobody has guessed my favorite word. Right. However, I do have Walden's question. I am supposed to stump Walden every week, and... I kind of tossed one out. I didn't kind of. I did toss one out to him this week, and he knew the answer right away. So I could have gone back to the drawing board and found another question, or I could fess up that I missed the mark and he knew the answer before I even finished the question. <laughs> or, or, or she could give the same question, and this time I'll just give the wrong answer. Well, I will give the same question but I expect you to be honest like an Eagle Scout. All right. You got yourself a deal. All right. So, here is the question. Bill Stern Colgate Sports Newsreel ran for years and years and years. It, it had a couple of other names, but the most popular one was Bill Stern Colgate Sports Newsreel. It was a 15-minute show, and it was dedicated to sports in one form or another, and he always had a story to tell. The, the entire show was a story. And it ran from 1937 to the end of 1954, and according to John Dunning's book, On the Air, uh, it also it switched over to even more shows under a variety of sponsors, but I don't know how much longer it went after 1954. But 1937 and 1954 is a pretty strong run. So I asked Walden what Bill Stern's most notable physical characteristic was, and he answered, Walden? Uh, he had a wooden leg. He had an artificial leg. He was an amputee. Yeah. So now I will ask Walden the second part, because this is an education for all of us. What was his most notable characteristic in broadcasting? He was a great storyteller. Mm -hmm. He took it to the nth degree. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he didn't let facts get in the way of telling a great story or... Beautifully put. Or describing play-by-play. If it sounded more interesting that there was going a touchdown with a couple of laterals thrown in the side, he would put them in. I and remember reading about the laterals that he had conjured this um, this tale about getting to the goal line with was almost a zigzag by the time he got <laughs> finished with it, and. Um, there was a, a substantial argument that arose as a result of that, that he had actually announced plays that were not performed. In fact... Did I, did I get that correct? In fact, people who attended the same games were wondering, how did he describe a certain play when they didn't see it? <laughs> right. <laughs> and he didn't see it because... Uh, because he, 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 had, he had his imagination going big time. Well, he needed to fill in a couple more... 
place in there. Right. Yeah. It, um, he didn't see it because it never happened. That's so, right. Anyway, it was a great storyteller. He had some wonderful tales. You can't believe any of them. Um, even if some of them wound up being true, so, everything is suspect because his credibility was somewhere between zero and minus ten. But he was a great storyteller. Great story, And I think um, he survived a, car, a serious car crash in Louisiana and an airplane crash. So I think his one leg came from one of those types of accidents. Uh, I think he died around 1970, 71 or so. Uh, but great delivery style. I mean, he was, uh, I think people just enjoy his play-by-play. Cause he, he had the, uh, he was sort of the, the sport broadcaster, the only one that really had the high-pitched uh, spit-em-out routine compared to, let's say, in the 30s, his counterpart was Ted Husing, who was a very cultural uh, broadcaster who could describe sporting events, but Ted had a trouble. Uh, he didn't have very good eyesight. Uh, that was his One created moves and the other one couldn't see them? Yes. Isn't that an interesting combination? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That, that's really a shame. Uh, anyway, for, for anybody who is curious now, I do have some Bill Stern sports newsreel shows, and if anyone would like them, as long as you understand that they're not necessarily historically accurate, um, they are fun listens. You, and, they're, they're fun to listen to. And also, he sort of prefaced that. At the beginning, he thing, uh, these are stories. Some are hearsay, some are true, but we all we feel we just pass them along to you. Mm-hmm. So he, he had a little disclaimer. Yeah, very little. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just threw himself into these stories. And you're right, he was a very good storyteller. And it is quite fun to listen to the shows. Just you know, radio used to have storytellers. There was a, um, there was a called John Nesbitt, who, who was a storyteller of the Passing Parade. Radio had several guys who, what they did was journey and tell stories. Uh-huh. You know, radio was meant for that. And Bill Stearns was known to do that for the sports. In fact, he was a guest on your favorite, one of your favorite quiz shows. Bill Stern was on Information, Please? Yep, he and Red Barber were the co-guests on October 4th, 1943. Now, I know I have Red Barber in my collection. Then you have Bill Stern. He's the other guest on that show. Well, okay, let's see what I've got here. Yeah. You know, sometimes they had, did Red Barber ever appear another time? I don't think so. I think that's the only time that I can, Red that Barber, I Bill Stern, look yep. at that. Yep. I do have it now. I know I've listened to that show. I didn't know about Bill Stern when I listened to it, so now I have to go back and do it again. I should have known. I mean, Bill Stern, how could you not know that? That's true. But anyway, tonight's subject or topic is Sunday Comics. So Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. It's about 3.30, and I'm finally getting to page two, asking people to call in with stories or memories about three comic strips that they remember seeing or hearing about, they enjoyed, they thought were terrible, anything at all. Can I ask a Patricia question? Why, certainly. Oh, God. I want this (laughs) New York accent. 
when Patricia was just a little girl that she likes looking at the Sunday paper? Oh, I loved reading the paper. Well, did loved you... the Sunday paper. I loved the newspaper. You? I was reading newspapers when I was six. So that's what I'm asking. Did you have a favorite comic strip growing up as a little kid? My goodness, I loved the comics. Hmm. Well, you know I adore Snoopy. I know. But let's... Let me think. I'll have to think about that yeah. for a minute. Hey, anybody out there, out there to help generate calls, what was your favorite comic script growing up reading in the paper? Uh-huh. You know, was it Dick Tracy? Was it Peanuts? Was it somebody else? 714 714-545-2071. 714-545-2071. I can tell you who I didn't read. Okay. I never read Little Orphan Annie. She had no eyes. And that bothered you, huh? It bothered me a lot. Huh. I mean, this, there, there wasn't... I guess I couldn't make a connection. Uh -huh. they, they just they, Harold Gray drew little circles. That's all he drew. <laughs> and it bothered me. Uh -huh. So I never read Little Orphan Annie. Interesting. That's my story, and I'm yeah. sticking to it. <laughs> By golly. Gosh, anyway, I, I have a bonus question here. Good. We love bonuses. Are we ready for the bonus question? <laughs> Who can tell me what relationship New York City's Mayor Fiorella LaGuardia had to the Sunday comics? Mm, that's a good one. There is a direct connection. Mm-hmm. Mayor Fiorello LaGuardia had a connection to the Sunday comics. What was it? Dum-de-dum-dum. Dum-de-dum. -dum. You know, if you think about it, New York City have had to share interesting mayors. Very interesting. They were never at a loss for interest, ever. You know, you had Jimmy Walker. Uh-huh. And, uh, of course, Theodore. Mm-hmm. Let me think. Now, was Al Smith a mayor? I know he ran... He was he, governor. He was governor. Any other interesting mirrors that you can think of besides My those? My goodness. Um, gee, uh, Ed Koch? Yeah, okay. It was his favorite expression. This is great for people who are in New York. What was Ed Koch's favorite question? And I'll bet you it's not Patricia's favorite word. Okay. No, it isn't. <laughs> no, it isn't. I just loved listening to that guy. And he's probably up on YouTube, but he had... A question that he asked in every single crowd. At least it sounded like every single crowd. What was Ed Koch's favorite? Now, we had John Lindsay mm -hmm. and Bob Wagner. Mm -hmm. um, who else did we have? I, I can't remember. Um, Bill Buckley ran for, I think he ran for mayor. Mm -hmm. His brother ran for senator, but Bill Buckley ran for mayor, and someone asked him what his first action would be if he were elected mayor. And his answer was, I'd ask for a recount, <laughs> which I thought was spectacular. I mean, this guy had no, no dream at all of winning. He was in there for the interest and to give people choices. So that his, his first official function would be to ask for a recount because there's no way he could have won. <laughs> so I thought that was nice to have a fun politician in there, but he didn't win. Who else was in there? Um, gee, anyway, Biography and Sound has a great piece 
a one-hour documentary on Theodore LaGuardia. So, um, Hello, LaGuardia. Yeah. And you know what was interesting, and this has bearing on his relationship with the Sunday comics, mm-hmm. was that he had a very high-pitched voice he sure that did. was not considered a, a good speaking voice or a campaign voice and it ties that that ties in uh to what i'm asking what was his relation to the um, to the sunday comics and if anybody can uh figure that out then i have a bonus question on that Whoa. Oh, you mean they have to answer it first before you can answer uh-huh, it? If I give the bonus question on that one, then they would figure your first one out. I don't think that's oh, fair. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, How to tell me what Fiorello LaGuardia has to do or had to do with the Sunday comics. Also, does anybody remember Pete the Tramp? I was out researching stuff today, looking for cartoons, and I came across... Do you remember Pete the Tramp? No, you, gave, you just said your secret word. I was just raining a duck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember Pete the Tramp. <laughs> well, somebody out there must remember Pete the Tramp. Well, if not, if you can figure out what Patricia's secret word was, you can call in, too, at 714-545-2071. That's the magic number. And I've got lots more trivia questions. We've got a whole bunch of them out there right now. Let's see. We've got so what? Um, in which country? Oh no, Cassie already did that. In which country was Terry and the Pirates set? Yeah. And Cassie got that. He said China, and that is absolutely correct. Um, so Pete- we also have Mickey Mouse has two nephews. Who are they? That one is a new one. I just tossed that one in there. The names of Mickey Mouse's two nephews. Who are they? And let's see what we've, else we've got here. We got that one, Skull Cave, Olive Oil. Okay, here's, here's a good one. Which comic strip was set in Dog Patch? But I interrupted you from the, the Pete the, the Tramp research project. What about Pete the Tramp? You, I thought you were going to tell us something about it before I... Oh, before I wasn't. I, the... I was asking people. Oh, I... I'm sorry. The Tramp. Well, <laughs> does anybody, can anybody help me with information about Pete the Tramp? Do you remember Pogo? I remember the uh, the TV version of it. I don't... I think I remember seeing it one time as a comic strip. Pogo was a very popular comic strip. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I will ask this question anyway. Pogo had a famous line that had to do with the enemy. What was the line? Hmm. 714-545-2071. This is good stuff. 714, bing, bing, 545 <laughs> Two oh seven one. Do you want to do a fibber show? Let's do a fibber show. Let's do a fibber show. We have money in the shoebox for the first one. Is that correct? Is that the one from January eighteenth, nineteen forty nine? That is the one. Then we got it. We have a show from January eighteenth, nineteen forty nine, and it is called Money in a Shoebox. Fibber picked up his shoes from the shoemaker. He left them off to be half sold, but the box he came home with had $5,000 instead. Hello, Carl. You're on with Patricia. 
Okay, this is Cassie Zago again, Lower Shell, New York. Hi, Cassie. Oh. I was thinking of the comic strip thing, and then I, I put two and two together, and if I recall, there was a strike just before I was born in 
there? Oh, they have to be. I mean, oh, the village boys. Well, what the, 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 the horse when that's... is we get. I'm trying to think. Where Frank and Pete Adams. Telegraph. Frank and Pete at uh, the Telegraph, yeah. yeah. Well, the book, the book, the book and Eagle. Right, right. Um. Eight. I'm trying to think what what paper the Franklin P. Adams and John Tiernan wrote for. Oh, uh, the Conning Tower in the Chicago Times. That yeah. was not New York. That was Chicago. Okay, but I thought they wrote for both New York papers, though. Um, no, that that you're right. The Sun. Was was it the New York Sun that uh, John Kieran wrote for? I think so. Right. And the Conning Tower was in which paper? I don't know. I, I can't remember. That's why I was just trying to think of I, another. I don't think it was the New York Times. I know Clifton Fadiman was the book editor for the New York Times. Right. Mm. Isn't that terrible? I can't remember the Conning Tower. It, it's the New York Times. Well, I, I shouldn't well, say. I would say what killed a lot of these newspapers, and a gentleman I called up earlier that was... Uh, forced to retire in the paper business, you know, newspaper business as a reporter, is the internet. I would think a lot of people can go mm -hmm. on the internet and don't have to pay nothing. But, you know, what else is the big thing is, is yeah. here in L.A., a lot of new people were supported by uh, department stores, you know, when they have a, a big rollout ad, you know, come right. to Macy's or come to whatever, uh, those kind of advertising are no longer really meant for newspapers, and that used to be a major source of income. Yeah. And because you had a lot of department stores, you always sort of what combine and consolidate, mm -hmm. and they're not—they don't throw that kind of money at the newspaper business. Well, they're losing so much business to online that yeah. they're doing an awful lot of advertising online. Franklin P. Adams wrote for the New York Tribune. Tribune, okay. So we we had a bunch of papers up in New York. A lot of papers. I mean, tons of papers, and they were cheap, a few pennies each. It was very cheap when I was a kid. And some of them what were morning papers, and some were in the afternoon or evening, right? Right. right. The night owl, you know. Mm -hmm. Amazing, you know. Amazing. When I think back, all the papers, the newsstand, you can make a living. <laughs> that all went out the door. Yeah, do we have newsstands? Do we still even have new paper boys doing newsstands anymore in New York? Well, they have it. If you go around 42nd Street, mm -hmm. everywhere you look, they have magazines and they sell lotteries, you know, scratch-off mm -hmm. lotteries and stuff like that. Are, are these old, little things out on the sidewalk? used to hawk, you know, the newspapers. Uh-huh. Those, those days are gone. Those days, maybe out in Long Island or something like that. Maybe some kids have a paper route. But, yeah. You know, it's so expensive now, a newspaper. I agree. You know, doesn't really pay. It's easy to go on the internet and get it all for free. And if you want to print it up, you print it on your printer. And that's... Mm. You are so right. Okay, what, what show would you like? You got Fiorello LaGuardia. Oh, yeah, Fiorello LaGuardia. So what other show would you like? Hey, if I recall, <laughs> answer the Mayor Cox question. Yeah. I think he used to say, how am I doing? He used to say, how am I doing? How am I doing? You can, I, I don't think you can. We worried about it. How am I doing? How am I doing? I don't think you can find a clip about Ed Koch without 
hearing that question. He'd go out into a crowd and he'd wave and say, how am I doing? And they'd say, fine, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> he was Have you got a, a show on TV and being the judge and all that stuff? Oh, that's right. He, was... he had a uh, heart operation, too. And if I'm, if I'm correct, he lives in one of those uh, rent-controlled places down in the village. Uh-huh. He can't jack up his rent. He's a smart man. Around him, they probably spend thousands of dollars for the same size apartment. He probably spends a couple hundred a month. Smart man. I'm not faulting anybody for that. Yeah, what, you know. What other show would you like? Oh, let's see. Do you have a kind of show that you would like? Yeah, you were talking about the gentleman, uh, uh, the uh, sportscaster. Uh-huh. Bill Stearns. You want Bill Stearns? Yeah, since I'm an amputee, I didn't know he was an amputee, yeah. too. Isn't yeah. that interesting? You know who else was an amputee? Well, in those days, they must have, as I understand it, it was very crude, the legs that they would make for people. Right. Not like today. It is not a refined, it was not refined at all. There was another famous person who was also an amputee, and that was Al Cap, who drew Lil Abner. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Here's, and here's another one for you both here. Mm -hmm. uh, this one was a famous movie star in the 1930s and 40s, and it had a famous detective radio show of the 40s, who also had an artificial leg. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm stuck on that one, and I know I read it at one time. And he was, he was married to Edna Bess. Edna Bess, uh, later in the 40s, who was a movie actress, directed the Sherlock Holmes radio show. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was Herbert Marshall. Wow. The Man Called X radio show. He would have started They would walk, and you'd never notice no. it on No. But uh, Herbert, Marshall, Herbert Marshall was another one. Wow. Yeah. The one I remember was the, uh, I was a baseball owner. Oh, oh. Uh, uh, Bill Beck. Yeah. Bill oh, Beck. That's right. That's right. Bill Beck. Um. Lost his leg, I think, in W. Bill Beck. Bill. I recall he was a Marine. I think you were absolutely right. Yeah. He was the owner of the Chicago White Sox for, and I think. Right, right. Yep. I was thinking of Chicago, That's right. right. But I didn't know. When you told me that, it shocked the hell out of me. Yeah, for Bill Stearns, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's amazing that how many people that you take for granted, and they had artificial legs where they must have been crude, very crude. You know? Today, they're, uh, they're, they're expensive. Right. My insurance company paid 10000 for my leg. Wow. You know, the hip insurance here in New York. Sure. And, uh, and it's pretty cheap. I pay $149 a month that comes out of my postal pension. Right. And uh, for the insurance, and they had to call up 10 G's for this light. And I look at the material, and it's just not even $150 worth of material. <laughs> Everybody's making money. <laughs> hip is like, hip lost money on me. Yeah. Yeah. But it's something. I never would have known. I guess, the, you know, this, this is... Oh, you were talking about Red Barber, remember? Yep. 
What bat? You bet. 1961 Yankees. I was a teenager, right? Right. Fifteen years old. Went to see the Yankees. Sure. In those days, it was the old Yankee Stadium. And the, there was not really a parking lot. It was all, you know, messed up. And we waited for the players to come out. Mm -hmm. And I remember Mickey Mantle went in the cab, or the old checker cabs. You know, they were comfortable and yep. big. They had those extra seats mm -hmm. in the back. Him and Roger Maris got in. We were trying to get an autograph, right? Right. So I looked up. And in those days, uh, Mel Allen and Red Barber used to be do the uh, TV show, and they used to drink the beer, you know, make the three ring sign right. TV. And what was it Valentine? I, 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 when I looked at his face, him and Mel Allen, it was red. <laughs> they were like both, like almost drunk. Uh huh. That, that blood pressure must have been up. Now I said to myself, no wonder they call him Red Barber. <laughs> it was red as a tomato. Both would have worked. Right. Right. What was it? Valentine. Wasn't it Valentine Ale? Or the three ring sign. Okay. And, uh, you know, they drank it. They must have drank a lot of beer <laughs> on that show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's true. Cassie, you will have Bill Stern then, and uh, please remember that he was a storyteller. Not everything in there is true, okay? Yeah, yeah, but... Uh, It'll be fun. ...fascinated that he was an amputee so many years ago. Yeah, and it was Bill Vec um, from the Chicago White Sox. Right. Um, I remember the owner of one of the baseball teams. Uh-huh. And Herbert Marshall, when he would see you see an old-time movie... He didn't look like he had anything wrong with him. Yeah, true. Wow. Good. It's amazing what people can do. You bet. Thank you so much, Cassie. Bye now. Let me go. Bye-bye. Bye. Cassie, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there we go. Bill Vex spells his name V-E-E-C-K. Oh, okay. I thought it was Vec. V as in victory. So, Vec. Okay. No, no. V as in Victor. Right. E-E. Very unusual. Very unusual. Anything you know what he's known for in baseball? Um, well, other than the Chicago White Sox. Right. He was a great. He was a great promoter, and he was the one that set up the little, the little. Uh, um, I think it. I'll think of the right word after we take the call. Hello, Carl. You are with Patricia. I want to hear from again, Molly, so I won't take too long. <laughs> <laughs> I just got through work, and so I um, I apologize for calling so late. But I just wanted to check what, in and say what's hello. What's going on? How, how, how did the piano get go tonight? Everything okay? We, we had a trio, and we played dance music, and we played some oldies but goodies like Mustang Sally. And oh, my goodness. Yeah. So we had a good time. You've been working a lot lately. Yeah. When are you going to retire, Ron? No, I'm semi-retired. I don't oh, work okay. as Before, I used to work um, six nights a week, but not anymore. Oh. Well, Ron, you understand that all this work is cutting into our playtime. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I, want, I, I received a Let's Pretend and CD, and it's really, really cool. Thank oh, you. I'm really, really glad. Did you have a chance to listen to those two Teller of Hawaiian Tales files that I sent to you? 
I emailed them, but I probably should have sent them on CD. Yeah, I think you better, because... Um, we'll do that. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I came across just two recordings, and they are of, uh, I'm assuming it's done by the person who actually... eight of the stories being read by him. These two CDs have each have a story, or I'm sorry, these two MP3s each have a story, but they've got Hawaiian music in there, and the music is just beautiful. I don't have any idea what they're talking about because they're speaking in your native language, not mine. No, I hate to tell you, I don't speak Hawaiian. I, I may live here, and I was born on this island. Yeah? Speak Hawaiian. Well, how's going to tell me what they're singing? What? He's going to tell me what they are singing. Okay. I'll let you know what they're singing. <laughs> Could you do that? I'll, I'll find a native. I will find a native and... And, and, and you'll have a do interpretation for Patricia. That's what I need. So I will trade you the stories. The stories are just charming, and they are legends, the, the um, Hawaiian Island legends. But I don't know what the singers are singing, so that's your job to help me know what they're singing about because it's beautiful, but I don't have any idea what they're singing. So you're going to be tonight? Living. Do you still think we live in grass No. <laughs> but there's a language that, that is part of your culture. I'm, I'm, I'm very uncultured. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, we have a, a squillion languages in as part of America, and Hawaiian is one of them. Yeah. All right. Depended so, on you, Ron. I'm on a guilt trip. I, what? I depended on you. I know. You're gonna, you're gonna find out for me though. It really is beautiful music. So you'll, you'll find somebody to help me know what they're talking about. I will. I'm okay. Are we, to, are we going to do comics tonight? No, I'm gonna let you guys go. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get some. Um, I'm really tired tonight. By the way, we used to live in grass sacks, but some hippies came and smoked it all up, and so we don't. <laughs> go to your room. Good night, Ron. We'll talk to you later, buddy. <laughs> okay. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Oh, gosh. That is too funny. You know, I mean, I sent you the files, right? You bet. You listened to them? I have listened to the music and stuff. I haven't gotten to the story part, but I, you want me to identify what period I thought they were, and I think I think they're definitely from the uh, uh, the time of the 30s and 40s. You do? Yeah. It, it was in the 1940s that it, it, the information I got was, it was written about. He had been writing stories for a very long time, but he used to visit... Um, military bases mm. and speak with groups of military after the war or during the war and um, you know the, the stories are just wonderful and I, I found the recordings at his particular site, it's a foundation site now and these two MP3s and they're the only two that I can find and they are just knock your socks off beautiful mm. so I hope Ron can help me and find out some information about what the singers are 
singing about the story that goes with the uh, with the music. Absolutely. So we're talking about Super McGee and Molly. Yep. All right. We have got a show called Money in a Shoebox. It's from January 18th, 1949, and this is the one I'm going to ask three questions about when the show is over, and I'm hopeful that there is somebody out there who is still awake. If there's anybody out there listening to us, please call 714-545-2071. So here's the deal. Fibber picked up his shoes from the shoemaker. He had left them to be half-sold. And when he got home and opened the shoebox, well, actually, I guess he opened it before he got home. I don't remember. doesn't matter. The shoebox had $5,000, not his shoes. And as he put it, um, I, I guess this is a colloquialism. He called it stacks of jack. Jack meaning money, I guess. So yeah. anyway, um, he used the expression, holy K smoke molly. So I guess he opened it before, uh, after he got home. I don't know what that stands for, holy K smoke. Have you ever heard that expression? That's a new one on me. Okay, well, somebody's going to have to help me with that as well. So, anyway, he has to decide what to do with the money. The name of the show is Money in a Shoebox from January 18th, 49. I have three questions I'm going to ask at the end of the show, and here we go. Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's self-polishing glow coat present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. You know, there's only one genuine Johnson's glow coat. No other self-polishing floor wax can make your kitchen linoleum shine and glisten in exactly the same way. And I'm sure that's why more women use Glow Coat than any other self-polishing floor wax. But now there's a special reason for changing to Johnson's Glow Coat. Glow Coat has a new glow, a glow that makes your linoleum shine with greater luster and beauty, far more brightly than before. And getting that glistening finish is so easy. You just apply Glow Coat to your linoleum, let it dry, and watch it produce its own sparkling luster. Johnson's Glow Coat needs no help from you. There's no buffing or polishing necessary. Try the glow coat with the new glow, the one made exclusively by S.C. Johnson & Son. You can tell genuine Johnson's glow coat by the familiar yellow container with the bright red band. Ask for glow coat tomorrow and make your kitchen a brighter place to work. It's amazing what strange things can happen with ordinary objects. Look what Alice did with a looking glass. Remember what fun Aladdin had with a lamp. See what a beanstalk did for Jack. And look who's coming up the front steps of 79 Wistful Vista with a common-looking shoebox. Yes, it's himself, a Fibber McGee and Molly. What are you counting now? Sheep. <laughs> With green backs. Jumping out of a shoebox. Put the lid on and go to sleep, dear. Okay. Good night. 
60, 70, 80. Good night, all. If you want lustrous, beautiful furniture, dusting won't do. To clean your furniture to perfection, polish it to beauty, you need Johnson's Cream Wax. It cleans so quickly, dries so quickly, polishes so quickly that using it is practically as easy as dusting. Why, with Johnson's Cream Wax, it's possible to completely clean and polish a coffee table in just 40 seconds. Because Johnson's Cream Wax not only cleans in a moment, it dries and polishes in a moment. And it dries hard, leaves no sticky oil to catch more dust as soon as you've finished. Ask for Johnson's Cream Wax today, the fastest furniture wax polish you can buy. You'll get clean furniture, furniture polished to a high luster practically as easily as you now do your dusting. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's self-polishing glow coat, Racine, Wisconsin, and Brantford, Canada, bring you Fibber McGee and Molly each week at this time. Be with us again next Tuesday night, won't you? Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And that was good stuff. Walden and his chimes. That's right. January 18, 1949. That was a great show. Good old Fibber did himself again. <laughs> Are we ready for some questions? We better be. All we better right. be. Well, this show had money in a shoebox, and I said I was going to ask some questions when we came back. How much money was in the shoebox? The second question is, what is a half-soled shoe, S-O-L-E-D? Fibber had his shoes at the shoemaker to have them half-soled. What does that mean? And the third question, Fibber tripped over a word in this show. What was the word he tripped over? Dynamite questions, 714 545-2071. If you answer just one of them, you have earned a CD. Just uh, one CD per question. That's a good deal. No, no. I just need one right question. If somebody calls in with all three <laughs> answers at the same time, I can't do three CDs. No. No, that's true. I can't. I know that. I'll tell you Aww. that. Do you think this is somebody we know? I think this is somebody we know. Hello there. Hello, how are you doing? Good, and who is this? This is Dan. Hi, Dan. How you doing? Well, I woke up this morning and tuned in and saw you were still on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Late night for somebody. <laughs> oh, Dan, we did it again, didn't we? <laughs> well, I guess you did. I, I don't know. I... I'm working for the census right now, so I have to be up and out the door and at work at 7.15 Eastern Time. My goodness. So I've been getting up about 5 in the morning, so I was a little early getting up this morning, but uh, it's like, well, you know, just want to stay on track here. Oh, that's fun. Were you with us before you went to bed? Well, I tuned in, and I actually just kind of played in the background during the night. Uh, and, you know, occasionally I'll, like, you know, hear Jack Benny at one in the morning. It's like, oh, that's kind of interesting, and then fade back to sleep. Uh -huh. So, but, uh, you know, I 
right now I'm working two jobs for about 66 hours per week. So when I can sleep, I sleep. Oh, your poor body. <laughs> how, how do, you, do you listen to us on a computer or on a Wi-Fi radio? How do you manage to do that? I have a laptop and I have Wi-Fi and I just uh, pull up and listen to it in the background. Uh, there are, I listen to more things on the computer now than I do on TV or radio. On radio, and um, I I enjoy listening to Casey Kasem's uh, the '70s program that's on a couple different. That is here on a local radio station, and I can catch online too on a couple of other different radio stations. Yeah, true. And yeah, but uh, I listened to US um, uh, yesterday USA a lot. Wow, well, um, gosh! Mm-hmm. Glad you're with us. Yeah, yeah, and really enjoy that you uh, spend so much time on your uh, on your work here. So you know. It's uh, good programming. It is good stuff. I really enjoy it. You know, everybody gets paid a lot of money on this show, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> yep. We all get a whole bunch of zeros. We starve to death. Alden gives me new zeros every week. Yep. We Patricia and I have the same salary. We just starve to each week. So we, we're doing good. We're going to, Walden's going to send me a care package. Yes. And I asked for lettuce, but he's not sure. <laughs> If I can find that. <laughs> that I can have lettuce. Are you calling to um, play trivia with us? I am. I believe I remember the amount that he found in the shoebox. Uh-huh. He was counting, I believe it was $5,000. It was $5,000. I can remember you calling a couple months ago, Dan. We were looking for your address. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Didn't you call a couple months ago? I, I've called in a couple different That's times. what I thought. I, think on. I can tell you where I am. I think you've got the Amos and Andy. Is that correct? Yeah, the one time. I think I think we were looking for Dan's address and we couldn't find it. Um, did you call in and answer a question and ask for Amos and Andy? I, I believe I did, yes. Well, I've still got your Amos and Andy here, and for weeks and weeks and weeks, I've been, I was asking, Dan, please call us because we need your address. And um, I just stopped asking, and here you are tonight. Well, I have to chalk that up to work, and, um, and you know, it's just a, a fluke here that I woke up a little early, and I thought, oh, they're still on. And it's like, well, I'll just listen here, and... and I'll see if I can't call in here. Well, I have your Amos and Andy CD to send out, but now I can send out one along with it. What other shows would you like? Well, I work with a fellow, and he is a great Lucy fan. And I have found online a couple different places where Lucy had a radio show, like in the 60s, a talk show. A talk show. Walden, do you know about that? Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if there's any recordings available, uh, but she did have a, a 10-minute interview show um, on CBS, and so far, I haven't been able to find that one. Of course, we have her other radio stuff, but, but that one, uh, we've been wondering what happened to it. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I I believe I found on YouTube where Lucy was on with Art Linkletter on one of his afternoon programs, and she was promoting the show, and I I think it was, I, I forget the name of the show, but there is a clip on YouTube that mentions the show. I think it's Ask, and, Lucy, or so, Ask Lucy or something like that, if I, I don't... Like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. But, uh, you know, I... It, that 
would be interesting if, if you all could find something like that. But um, otherwise, gosh, I'm just trying to think what I would really enjoy. Um, you know, I just anything maybe with Howard McNair. Um, you know, oh, sure. uh, um, Ock from Gunsmoke. Yep. Some of that would be interesting. I, I just love Howard McNair. And, you know, later is Floyd Barber from Andy, Andy Griffith. You so. bet. Uh, do you have Gunsmoke? I do not have Gunsmoke, no. Would you like some Gunsmoke, or would you like me to look for something else with Howard in it? Gunsmoke would be fine, or anything with Howard McNair. Uh, I have another co-worker, and, and uh, we're both Andy Griffith. Fans. I've been trying to, uh, I've been telling him, you know, I said, Howard was on so much uh, old-time radio, I said, you ought to really start, you know, tuning in and listening to some of these shows, and uh, I tell him about, seems like every, about 30% of what uh, was on radio at one point, seems like at the end they'll mention Howard McNair was in it. Mm-hmm. Or Partly there, right. Yeah. Yeah, um, we, partly there, yes, absolutely. We, we can hear Howard McNair in some of those 15-minute Johnny Dollar shows, we can hear him on the sure. We can hear him on the Gunsmoke, we can hear him on some Lux Radio Theater during the war, we can hear him, you're right, he was a busy actor, there's no doubt about it. I also heard him the other night on Suspense, too. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. He really was all over the place. Um, I, I asked you about Gunsmoke, maybe Walden can help me find the dates and names of other shows that he was in, such as Suspense or Johnny Dollar. Sure. Uh, I think a lot of the 15, I think he was in, in a lot of the 15 minute gun, uh, Johnny Dollar shows. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. Does John Abbott does he does his book have an index, Patricia? He does. I'm sure he does. Okay. I will. You know, on, uh, upon upon thinking of it too, I would love to have a copy of a few shows that were done in the 50s uh, called Granby's Green Acres. Yep, there are two of them. Are there only two? There are only two that I know of. Now, maybe Patricia can find more. Uh, that was starring Gail Gordon. And Steve right, right, and Louise Erison, who was Marjorie on The Great Girls, was on that show. Uh, yeah. And she lives in New York. And Michael Rye, who was the first nighter in Jack Armstrong during the war, he was on that show. So, yeah, that's a good show. Okay. That's a good show. Good. Yeah. Oh, boy, I sure have my homework, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have a I have a suggestion for a guest that you might uh, get on the on your program sure. at one point. You bet. Um, uh, James Best. He's from my hometown here. Oh, old, hey, I think I know I can find him. Okay, I'll write that down. Walden is drifting off in the sunset. I'm back. I had to throw my get behind to write that down. You bet. I I think I can find him. Okay. Be he, has a, he has his, uh, a memoir out called Best in Hollywood. Wow. And uh, do you know who he is? I I think I saw who he was because uh, our friend Martin Graham had a old time radio convention. Yes, that's right. That's right. I actually listened to that. Uh, was it last fall when he was there? Yeah, it was last fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Now, Jimmy was uh, best uh, known as Roscoe P. Coltrane on the Dukes of Hazard, mm-hmm. but he was also uh, Jim Lindsay on the Andy Griffith show. Ah. Guitar player. Got it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was just here in our hometown. He came back for uh, a little get-together last weekend. 
And uh, I think he'd be really an interesting person to uh, have on the program. You live in where, Indiana? I'm trying to remember. Yes, I am. That's uh-huh. right. That's yeah. right. I'm in Indiana. I'm in southern Indiana, about 20 miles west of Louisville and uh, Cordon, Indiana. And Cordon was at one time the first state capital of Indiana. Huh. And I remember you told us that, too. Yes, absolutely. We have. Oh, we just oh, know where to find you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We have to promote our uh, brand here. <laughs> and uh, in two weeks, we're having a civil war reenactment because there were two civil wars in India in, uh, in the north, and one was at Gettysburg, and one was here in Cordon, Indiana. I never knew that. I just love that. I love reenactments. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're almost always historically correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, yes. We, we try to do our best here. Uh-huh. And it, it is such, um, it, it puts me in better touch with what happened and who was involved and how things occurred and went down, the, the whole sequence of things. You cannot get that from a book. No, that's true. That's because true. We have a lot of great volunteers who, they are Civil War reenactors. They go from place to place. Hmm. They invest. They invest thousands of dollars in their costuming, and, you know, they just, that's their hobby. Just wow. like you all do your radio uh, programs here. Right. They go out and they, you know, work in these battles on the weekend and pretty much do it for free. So, they come here, we try to feed them well and, you know, have different things that they can do. And, you know, it's it's just a hobby, and they really enjoy it. And we're just grateful that they come, and we... Um, just have a good weekend. It is living history. I guess that's a good example of living history. Mm-hmm. Um, people actually in historic roles. That's right. Right. Dan, we have to figure out a way for you to get your address to me so I can get your CDs to you. Uh-huh. Well, what will work? What do you suggest? Well, we can either... Um, go offline for a couple of minutes, and Walden will take down your address. I don't ask for people to do this on the air, because if you tell me, you tell the world. Or you can email it to Patricia, whatever you want to do, Dan. Okay. You can email me at, I will I will give you an easy address, okay? Uh, we can do that. I'm signing a piece of paper right now. Okay. Okay. Are we ready? Yes, go ahead. Okay, it's P... J, as in John, H, mm-hmm. PJH33. Okay. At Comcast. Okay. C O M C A S T dot net. Okay. And if you right. tell me your full name, and oh, you don't even have to tell me your full name, um, your address where I can send your CDs to, I will do my ever so best to find the Granby's Green Acres. I will find shows with Howard McNear and um, I'll put some gun smoke in there. Well, that will be fun. I really appreciate it. And let me uh, tell you, let's trade, let me um, let me tell you this much too. If you're interested in learning about the Battle of Cordon, you can go to www.cordonbattlepark.com Battlepark.com Mm-hmm. And are you, do you have an email up there too, Dan? Or can uh, pe- how, can people find out about the battle and uh, find your city that way? Or what what kind of information is up on the website? Uh, 
it tells all about the battle, wow. and there should be an email address on there, too, where they can uh, send uh, questions. Great. Okay. Great. People who listen to old-time radio are frequently fans of American history in any form, any place, any time. We're just attached to the past. So Absolutely. <laughs> will be a dynamite website for them. It is Cordon Battle park.com c-o-r-d-o-n did i get that c-o-r-y-d-o-n c-o-r-y-d-o-n battlepark.com boy am i glad i asked i'd be out there saying he sent me someplace wrong this is not right the why is silent i tell people it's the why is silent you know it's just c-o-r-y-d-o-n but we pronounce it cordon Gordon, how interesting. Is there a family history? Is, is this a, um, a historic name attached to a family? Uh, the Edward Smith family uh, settled here, and they were friends with William Henry Harrison. And William Henry Harrison is uh, famous for being our uh, shortest-lived uh, in-office president. You know, he's the one who marched uh, down, um, you know, during his inaugural. Um, and caught cold and died a month after being in office in 1841. So, um, yeah, he's from that from this area here. And, uh, you know, we, we haven't had the best of luck, you know, throughout history, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a nice place to live and, you know, very simple. Um, I've had people who I've run into, and they said, oh, yeah, Corbin, yeah, it's a lot, a lot like Mayberry. And, um, you know, it's, uh, we have a little drug store here in town that is called Butt Drugs, and people laugh at the name. And I think we even made the uh, YouTube site uh, last uh, within the last few months, you know, people laughing at the name. But you can walk into Butt Drugs and you can get a soda and, you know, ice cream sundaes and things like that. It's really a really? lovely place. Like an, like an ice cream counter, a soda counter in the, in the old-fashioned mm-hmm. sense? Yes, absolutely. How many people live in the city? Is it a city, a town? How you know the population? Sure, we have right about oh about three thousand people here. Ah. The county has about thirty-five thousand, mm-hmm. and um, you know it's a nice place to live. You know, just uh, you know, we've had you know we've tried to keep the place you know mm-hmm. as nice as possible. We have a low crime rate, and um, you know we have a good police force, so. You know, people, I had friends who moved to the area because they liked the way the lights looked in the town at Christmas. Wow. How neat. Wow. You understand if <laughs> just announced this worldwide and you're going to have a stampede tomorrow? That's right. <laughs> well, we would be more than happy to have them stop by and visit. And, uh, no, we're, we're talking about moving there. <laughs> People are going to show up and say, this sounds like such a wonderful place to live. Could you please show me what what you have for me? Do you have Absolutely. apartments and obviously single-family residences? Do you have apartment buildings out there or apartments in homes? We do. We do. We have uh, a lot of um, – we're getting more apartments all the time. Uh, a lot of um, retired people live here. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, they're building here in the town. Um, and uh, I have to laugh. Um, the area around part of the town is uh, uh, has a lot of red clay, so it's not good for farming. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that's perfect to build, you know, a subdivision right there due to the red clay. You know, you, my dad used to laugh. Uh, we lived in that area, and he would get permission to go out and hunt rabbits, like back in the late '60s, and and uh, he would laugh. He'd said, yeah. That's a poor place for a, a rabbit. A rabbit would have to pack its lunch. It's such a poor <laughs> area for, uh, for you know, you couldn't raise anything on that land. <laughs> no bunny food. No bunny food. No, not quite. Uh, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, this absolutely sounds like a charming town. Um, sure. I really hope people visit the website. I certainly will. And learn some additional goodies about uh, about our history. Absolutely. Absolutely. It would be fine. I'm so happy um, you shared it. Yeah. And uh, we will be looking forward to people coming in on the 26th of June for our battle reenactment. June 26th. And I will be watching for your address and get some CDs out to you. That's right. I could give... Um, I could give you my email address. I'm actually the local county historian, and my email is on the web. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's uh, simply just uh, Dan, D-A-N, and last name is Bays, B-A-Y-S, historian, H-I-S-T-O-R-I-A-N, at hotmail.com. Okay, um, before you hung up, I was going to ask you what your position or role is with the town, because you sound... Um, so knowledgeable. Not only knowledgeable, but, gosh, I don't know how to put this, like you are so involved in this town that you are part of it and it is part of you, more so than a resident. So I was going to ask you what your role in the town was, but you just answered that. That's right. You are an historian. I'm anticipating the question here. Hmm? We were anticipating the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am really so happy to meet a historian. I am a history person. Geography, hmm? I'm toast. But history, I love it. Uh, we, um, in Indiana, we uh, have, through the Indiana Historical Society, uh, every county has an appointed uh, county historian. Now, that is a, well, it's a uh, high-paying job because if we draft in Annapolis twice a year, we get two free meals. Hey! <laughs> so, you have, another, you have a bunch of zeros in your, in your salary, but, too. I kid because I love, it is a great program, and they have uh, appointed people in each county in Indiana to uh, answer questions, and, um, and uh, it's a good uh, way to network with people. And um, and also to you know be the conduit for questions and inquiries, and um, and I really love being a county historian, and uh, I worked with the previous county historian uh, for to, until his death, and um, and he had been the, really the first county historian who uh, really the program was started in in the early 80s. Yeah, I was just thinking, I was just thinking, there's two famous movie stars from the 1930s and 40s that were born in Indiana. Mm-hmm. You know who they are? Well, I'm trying to think offhand, and of course, uh, uh, I'm not at the best at uh, That's okay. 10 till 5 in the morning, but uh, let's see, James Dean comes to mind. Well, I was thinking he was a Thiffy, so that's a good one. I didn't think of him, but I was thinking the 30s and 40s. Yes. One had a radio show. 
uh, from Indiana. Both um, from Indiana, yeah. I, you know, I'm really drawing a blank. Uh, I know one thing that um, Hoagie Carmichael is from Indiana. Now, I know Hoagie had a few minor roles, I think. In yeah, he did. But these were big-time movie stars. I'll give you a clue. Uh, one was married to Carol. Uh, one was married to Clark Gable. Okay, and that is Carol Lombard. Correct. Yeah. And the other one who uh, co-star with Irene Dunn on the radio, but he did a lot of uh, movies in the 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. Double Indemnity is probably the most famous one. Mm-hmm. And that's Fred McMurray. Really? Yeah. Yes. Those are two mm-hmm. I could think of that were from Indiana. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Hoagie Carmichael. My, my predecessor met Hoagie Carmichael. He was actually a painter. And he uh, painted the uh, local, um, when the Constitution of Indiana was written, um, they wrote it under an elm tree, and it was affectionately known as the Constitutional Elm. And Hokey came to our town, and he did paint a painting of the Constitutional Elm. Wow. So I remember that. So, uh, you know, we, uh, yeah, we, we've had a lot of nice visitors come through the area here. For people who may have gotten Hokey, Hoagie wrote uh, Stardust, the lyrics yeah. for that, and Old Buttermilk Sky. Mm-hmm. You yeah, bet. that's true. A lot of great tunes. You bet. Sure. Mm-hmm. Will you be safe at work today? Well, I will. I will. Before you have to work, um, I think you should stay up and play with us. <laughs> 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 We're needing each other. You're getting up and we haven't been down yet. <clears throat> but, All right. Because it has happened one other time when somebody woke up. It, it was Fred in Vermont, as a matter of fact. He called at about six o'clock and said, "You guys were on when I went to bed, <laughs> and, and I woke up and you're still here." So that's right. So this is fun. I will get your CDs out to you. I will okay. contact you at danbayshistorian at hotmail dot com. And um, I'm so happy you called in. Well, I am glad. I'm I'm very grateful to call in and I've really enjoyed the chat and uh, please uh, know that we do appreciate what you all do uh, even when we don't call in to let you know about it because uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that just uh, hang on your every word. Oh, you're out there. That's what counts. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Good morning, Dan. Take care. You bet. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. How about that? was fun. That was fun. Thank you so much, Dan, for calling in. And you got the right answer, too. It was $5,000 in the box. Um, If someone wants to catch us before Walden puts on the second show, or would you like to... um I'm up. I'm I'm up. Whatever Patricia wants to do, we're gonna do oh, it. Oh, but my goodness, I you know I expect everybody to be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in the middle of the night. But um, well, that's okay. They're getting up now, and they can. Yeah, yeah. You know, we can sneak in the next show. Hey. Yeah, this is so cool. Yeah. So we still have some leftover comic book questions. Not comic books. Comic strips. Sunday comics. The funny pages. Um, Mickey Mouse had two nephews. Who are they? I never knew Mickey had little, little relatives. Are you not serious? I, uh, I am. Oh, my goodness. Mickey has two nephews. I never knew he that. Has, this is a bonus question. Tell me who the two nephews are. I think a lot of people will know that uh, one. Uh, I'm assuming they're mice, right? 
They're mice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're mices or something. <laughs> um, they are mice. All right. Mouse has two nephews, and they have ears and tails. They have ears and tails. Okay. They also have a last name. So wow. if I get the names of the two nephews, that's worth a CD. If you can give me the last name as well, that's a bonus question. Holy cow. That's a second CD. That one's a very hard question. And then what else do we have? Pogo's famous line about the enemy. What was it? And I think that's all the questions we have out there. Oh, which comic strip was set in Dogpatch? So we can save those until next week, and next week we will do something equally interesting, but I don't know what. <laughs> we will have something. So um, we still need to know what is a half-soled shoe, and what was the word Zibber tripped over in the show Money in a Shoebox? That's so rhythmic, Money in a Shoebox. Yes, it got a good, it got a good, it got a great ring to it. Good rhythm, and if somebody doesn't call and talk to me about what a half-soled shoe is, I'll have to save it until next week. Uh, we can do that. We I guess we'll that. save it until next week. So can we go with the second show? Let's go. Let us go with the second show. The second show, I love this show, is Fibber Forgets to Order Furnace Oil. It is bitter cold outside. The wind is wailing. Fibber forgot to order fuel oil, the draft is coming in the door, and it is a frigid draft that's sneaking in. He decided he's going to rather strip the door. Now, this has been the, the freezing, howling wind. He is going to weather strip the door, which means he has to take the door off in order to do this with the wind howling on the outside. What absolutely set me off about this show, are, are you still able to hear me because I'm starting to get some chirps? I can hear you just fine. Okay, good. You, you, you and the little birdies are just perfect together. <laughs> okay, the chirps mean my battery is getting a little bit low and, and sometimes and, I'm talking to myself. But, <laughs> uh, but actually, we don't hear the chirp, we just hear the little clicks, the little uh, breakup little, kind of thing. Little pops, yeah. okay. So if I start popping before I get to the end of the fourth sentence here, because that's all I've got left, you let me know. Yeah. So what set me off about this particular show is that while he was working on the door that he took off the hinges, he tacked a blanket against the door as a substitute door until he got finished working on the door. Now, my father was an excellent handyman. He really was very talented in terms of working around the house, but he was also a perfectionist. So some projects wound up being done in phases. He would start a job on one day and have to go back another day. Now, I did not say the next day. I said another day. So there were frequently large spaces between the beginning of a project and the final um, phase of a project. And one of his favorite exercises was to go through. We had a, an old house with a lot of windows, and the window, he took these windows down. He stripped them down, reputted the glass, um, painted them. I mean, it was just a, a work of art when he got finished, but he did one window at a time. And while the window was down, he would hang a blanket against the window, not only for privacy, but to keep the wind and the bugs out and, and stuff like that. So when Fibber put up a blanket against this 
door, it resurrected these images of my childhood when my father would go around and hammer these blankets up against the window. And my mother used to say we were the only residents in town who had woolen windows. So that's my my attachment to this particular show. My, um, my mother never won out, by the way, but Molly does in this show. It is Fibber Forgets to Order Furnace Oil from January 4th, 1949. And that is my signal to say good night to everybody. Johnson's Wax Program, with a special message about an outstanding new product. It's Johnson's Cream Wax, the fastest wax polish you can buy for your furniture. Johnson's Cream Wax cleans so quickly, dries so quickly, polishes so quickly, that using it is practically as easy as dusting. Even big dining room tabletops will be bright and lustrous, almost as fast as I can tell you about it. That's possible because Johnson's Cream Wax not only cleans in a moment, it dries and polishes in a moment. Leaves no wet, sticky, dust-catching oil on the surface of your furniture. So to have furniture that's perfectly cleaned and beautifully polished, and to have it with no more trouble than dusting, get the fastest wax polish you can buy. Johnson's Cream Wax. <laughs> the Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. I believe all of you who've been buying Johnson's Glow Coat will be pleased to hear that more people buy Glow Coat than any other self-polishing floor wax. S.C. Johnson & Son, the makers of Glowcoat, are especially happy to be able to make this announcement because now Glowcoat has been improved even further. There's a new glow in Glowcoat that gives your kitchen linoleum a glistening finish far brighter than before. Be sure to ask for genuine Johnson's Glowcoat. Comes in the same familiar yellow container with the bright red band. But the Glowcoat in that container has a new glow that shines more brightly, far more brightly. An oil-burning furnace can make a house mighty comfortable these brisk winter days. If you have oil for it, of course. Like the people at 79 Wistful Vista just ran out of. Because the man of the house forgot to order any. <laughs> Here's the house now with a cold furnace, a fire in the fireplace, and Fibber McGee and Molly. So I told the guy, we got to have some fuel oil right now, see? And he says, well, why didn't I order it sooner? I says, I didn't need it sooner, wise guy. And then he said something I didn't like, and I hung up. What'd he say? Goodbye. <laughs> I don't know how you manage it, dearie, but you can rub more people the wrong way than a cross-eyed masseur. <laughs> well, I just thought, here, let me throw another log in the fireplace. <laughs> Maybe that'll help. <laughs> Isn't that pretty, McGee? I love to watch an open fire, although, Frank. Sure, it's great. It'll keep you nice and warm all day, if you happen to be an andiron. <laughs> Our trouble is we happen to be people. Yes, cold people. <laughs> I never realized how much heat the fireplace throws up the chimney. 
<laughs> Get six feet away from this mantle and it's colder than a wet overshoe. I've got the oven turned on in the kitchen and the oven door open, but it doesn't reach out here, and mm. there's a terrible draft coming under the front door, McGee. Yeah. That's what's making this room so cold, you know it. My feet are freezing, and I know why. It's that weather stripping I bought for the front door that makes that draft under there. What? How on earth can the weather stripping make it drafty? By being down in the basement where I left it when I bought it. <laughs> Summer before last. Oh, dear. Well, it wasn't any use to put it on the door then. You don't need weather stripping in the summer, naturally. It's too hot. I see. It's always too cold in the winter to take the door off the hinges to put the weather stripping on it. <laughs> kind of a vicious cycle. My. We better roll a rug against the door or something, McGee. It's bad enough with the furnace turned, but that wind through here, too, we'll catch our death of cold. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right. Much as I hate to, I'd better weather strip that front door right now. I'll go get my tools and my mitt. Oh, it's too cold for that, McGee. Just roll a rug again. By conjunction self-polishing glow coat, racing Wisconsin and Brantford, Canada, bring you Fibber McGee and Molly each week at this time. Oh, by the way, you'll be able to hear the new Alan Young show next Tuesday night over most of these stations. Then be back with us again, won't you? Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Good night, everybody. May the good Lord Jesus Christ bless each one of you out there. We love you all. The party's over. It's time to call it a day. They've burst your pretty balloon and taken the Just make your mind up The piper must be Stay with me through the night It's so to the end